0: Okay, Okay. Uh, we're going to get started. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, And today uh, we're going to use this opportunity to look back, not that far back, and ground ourselves as we go forward into this new year, which I think is going to be very exciting. As you know, the free school has a lot of uh, Plans for this upcoming year, at least for the first to half, the first quarter of it. But uh, we wanted to look back to the tenth uh, anniversary, and in particular, the vision statement, uh, and just assess it and reassess it. Um, and I think Michelle is going to be kind enough to read the vision statement. Do you have a copy?
1: Yeah, I think I do that.
0: Okay, good. And then... (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) And then uh, Emily has written uh, an essay, a summation of the conference and our vision. And she's going to read that, Mm -hmm. which is... um, scheduled to be published in uh Nanithan raju's journal in india mm-hmm. and hopefully in some other journals here in the united states maybe platypus sure. maybe a black agenda report i think it's a it's a very very important essay but uh if michelle is is ready we'll start out with mm-hmm. her reading the vision sure. statement if no one minds if that's okay to yeah. go that way and just uh, as a way to look back on what we uh, envisioned for the 10th anniversary uh, and um, how we used or how the the 10th anniversary uh, pointed us in the direction that I think we're now on. Uh, But I'll, I'll turn it over to Michelle Liu. Okay.
2: So the vision statement for the 10th anniversary is entitled, our vision on the occasion of the 10th anniversary of the Saturday Free School for Philosophy and Black Liberation. With confidence and pride, the Saturday Free School for Philosophy and Black Liberation celebrates our 10th anniversary. We do this at a time when the world and our nation are in historic crisis. The most glaring features of the crisis are war, climate change and environmental destruction, poverty and rule by networks of anti-people elites. They are a neoliberal, undemocratic and authoritarian elite who are no more than 5% of the population, are the wealthiest part of it and have almost complete power over the nation. Estimates are that more than $50 trillion have gone from the working and middle classes to them over the past 40 years social and economic injustice abounds suicide is a life choice for many children and teenagers who see it as an answer to overwhelming social and personal problems most americans don't see a future and life appears as bottomless cruelty americans are poorer than 50 years ago large parts of the working and middle classes have almost completely collapsed Bewilderment, uncertainty, and despair define their life worlds. Most Americans are either unemployed, underemployed, poor, homeless, or ill-housed, hungry or ill-fed, uneducated or poorly educated, drug-addicted, mentally or physically ill, and imprisoned. Lives are cut short as life expectancy dramatically declines and suicide reaches historic levels. Stranded populations of young, mainly white people, exist on precarious islands of drug addiction and homelessness, encamped in de-industrialized urban neighborhoods. Children and teenagers are experimenting with and becoming addicted to lethal drugs, many overdose on them. The weight of social inequality has brought our society to the edge of collapse. Fear grips the people, forcing many to retreat from society and the struggle for change. Children and youth are in the deepest distress. They have been abandoned by a society driven insane by greed, the worship of obscene wealth, extreme materialism and war. For tens of millions of children and youth, life is a long cold winter. This social, economic and political situation is unsustainable. We face a great catastrophe. The people are divided, and the nation is in the worst political crisis of its history. Most Americans do not trust the government, with 60% saying the government is corrupt and does not represent them. So alienated is part of the people that 25% say they would support using arms to change the government. For many Americans, the U.S. nation is a dark and tragic landscape. It is this geography within which we struggle for change. Despite what seems like unbroken darkness, there are possibilities for change. Great crisis can compel great leaps forward. They create possibilities for great change. Everything depends upon the consciousness and ideological clarity of the people and what they do. Our moral choice is to fight for unity. The Saturday Free School has but one moral choice, to cast our lot with the people and to encourage unity and struggle. Like most of the American people, we believe that the primary condition for change is in unity. We believe a great social transformation is closer than most people think. We bring with us our unique vision of what is possible. We believe that pregnant in the deepest wells of people's aspiration are solutions. Moreover, we believe that human beings possess the moral capacity to rise above crisis and to save the planet from war, climate destruction and poverty, and to create democracies worthy of human life. It is upon these foundations that we go forward, unafraid of the future, yet recognizing the great dangers before us. In world historic terms, we are witnessing a change of epochs from the epoch of European hegemony to the epoch of humanity, Mm -hmm. and what is defined as a multipolar world. The myths of white supremacy and the inevitability of war, capitalism and the rule of finance capital are being exploded in every part of the world. Last changes are taking place. The question is, how will change come about in the US? How, with so much division, can the people come forward with a single vision for the future? A fourth American Revolution. Three American revolutions have occurred, that of 1776, the Civil War and Reconstruction and the Civil Rights and Black Freedom Movement of the 1950s and 1960s. While incomplete, the American people and the nation are offspring of the three American revolutions. More than the American Revolution and the Civil War and Reconstruction, The third American Revolution most clearly rethought the possibilities of a new nation and a new people. Guided by the vision of Martin Luther King Jr., the nation was compelled in ways it never had to reckon with its history, identity, and what we must become if we are to survive. The American nation and the American people consequently were changed. We are different from what we were at that time but we are not yet complete, we are not yet free, nor are we what we must become. The task of achieving the moral, spiritual, economic, and political remaking of the nation and the people requires us to return to the values of the third American revolution. In the name of a new people's democracy and the realization of the new people, a fourth American revolution is necessary. Despite the uncertainty and chaos of the moment, we are at the beginning of a fourth American revolution. The central democratic goal of the fourth American revolution is to bring to actuality the yet unfinished goals of the third American revolution. To achieve democracy and peace, we as a nation must grasp the moral, spiritual and political values articulated by Martin Luther King Jr. Based on these values and the vision that inspired them, the people must take power. If we are to have a future, a new democracy anchored to the people and their aspirations must be established. A new democracy is a democracy for all our people. However, first on this democratic agenda must be children and youth, our future. A new people's democracy will compel us to reject our nation's definition of being a white nation. Heroically, our people must make ours the last white nation, an accomplishment of world historic significance. A future worth fighting for. The Saturday Free School has confidence that the most courageous of our people can come forward to lead us to this new democracy, to unity and an end to war. A new consciousness must arise that is anchored to a recognition that we are all part of a single garment of destiny that what affects one of us directly affects all of us, us all indirectly. But more as a nation devoted to peace and democracy, we can help humanity construct a world house of all nations, civilizations and races. This consciousness recognizes there is a future if we both fight for it. Martin Luther King Jr. was right in insisting that we not be confined to the colony of now but aspire to the empire of eternity, to a future of limitless possibilities. The moral and spiritual values we must embrace are as old as humanity itself, enshrined in the doctrines of all great religions, spiritual systems, ethical and humanistic philosophies, and as contemporary as this moment. These values must be taught and retaught. They must be actualized in music, song, poetry, and painting. A radical revolution of values must be the grounding principles for the fourth American Revolution. We can choose, as many will, to retreat into pessimism and escapism. The best of our children, youth, and older people will come to the forefront and proclaim our unbending commitment to humanity. That moment contains the central lessons for this time. For us, the thinking of W.E.B. Du Bois, Martin Luther King Jr. and James Baldwin are the foundation for a vision for this time. They conceived the coming American Revolution to be tasked with creating a new American people and thus a new nation and a new people's democracy. We stand upon our history and world history The Saturday Free School is part of, and inheritors of, the great revolutionary achievements of the modern world. We are connected to the Russian and Chinese revolutions, the Indian independence movement, the African freedom struggles, and the Cuban revolution. We continue to learn from Marx and Lenin, Mao, Ho Chi Minh, Kim Il-sung, Gandhi and Fidel Castro, the courageous African freedom fighters who were socialist and communist, are a source of inspiration. Our moral and political values must include such figures as Kwame Nkrumah, Patrice Lumumba, Amilcar Cabral, Sekou Ture, Modibo Keita, Chris Hani, and Marian Ngawabe. We stand moreover upon the legacies of Thomas Paine, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, and William Lloyd Garrison, John Brown, Henry Highland Garnett, and other fighters against slavery. We are connected to the spirit of Paul Robeson, Mother Jones, Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, Ida B. Wells Barnett, Lucy Parsons, Eugene V. Debs, Big Bell Haywood, Henry Winston, and the legions of fighters for the rights of workers and the poor. Revolutionary signs for our time. A new scientific synthesis for this time of crisis is called for, drawing on the theoretical possibilities proposed by Henry Winston in his book, Strategy for a Black Agenda and Class, Race, and Black Liberation, we are working out a new revolutionary philosophical and theoretical framework. Such a framework emerges from European and radical thought, including the thought of Karl Marx, V.I. Lenin, and the Russian Revolution, and the principal thinkers of the Black radical tradition. In essence, this is a synthesis of the scientific thought of W.E.B. Du Bois and V.I. Lenin. Recognizing that every revolution must be guided by great ideas in science, we seek to equip our people with possible theoretical frameworks for this time. Such a synthesis is a new lens to understand the world. Marx, Lenin, and the Russian Revolution advanced revolutionary theory to a new level, they advanced social science quite a distance they linked social science to revolutionary change. Their thought, however, was not complete. W.E.B. Du Bois brought the full weight of scientific understanding of slavery, the color line, colonialism and racial oppression to earlier revolutionary theory. This constitutes a more complete understanding of modern sciences, societies, and their potential for change. W.E.B. Du Bois completed what Marx and Lenin and their collaborators began producing new and in fact richer theory for our time. Du Bois introduces the scientific understanding of racial oppression and how it shapes class consciousness in revolutionary practice. Du Bois further argued for the possibility, indeed the inevitability of an Afro-Asiatic reconstitution of world civilization a reconstitution that would bring with it new forms of government, state organization, philosophy, economic systems, art, and culture. For Du Bois, this is a rebirth of humanity as such and a restart of history. Du Bois' civilizational predisposition suggests that the crisis of our time demand not merely new ways of talking about the human situation, but new civilizations, new democracies, new philosophical and moral frameworks emerging from humanity's majorities, the darker races. The democratic and revolutionary vision and practice of the Third American Revolution further enlarged upon the methods and modalities of revolutionary change. The Third American Revolution irrevocably established that revolutions in the end are about people, not revolutionaries. With moral clarity, we welcome the future. Our nation and people are at the start of a long march to a new democracy, peace and to people's power. The Saturday Free School for Philosophy and Black Liberation joins this march. Imbued with knowledge and courage, driven by the moral imperative to act, we see the future and we see a new people in the making. On this occasion of celebration, we greet and salute the people the children and youth, the activists, the revolutionaries and Democrats, the people's artists and poets. We join our children and youth and proclaim to them, there is a sky, there is a future, but it can only be won through struggle. We do not damn the future. We greet it. We do not fear the future. We welcome it because tomorrow is today. What must be is determined by what we do now. We appeal to the moral instincts and the moral capacity of the American people and their ability for reasonable discourse. Like Martin Luther King Jr., we believe that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends to justice. Like James Baldwin, we believe the most important moral imperative is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love is the moral capacity to think in collective rather than merely individualist and egoistic ways. Love bestows the ability to see humanity and to recognize oneself as unalterably a part of humanity. To see the I and the we, love gives to human actions an all-embracing all-humanity character. Love aspires to build a world house where all who inhabit it see themselves as sisters and brothers. Love, as Martin Luther King Jr. insisted, is the sword that heals. We believe we can achieve our nation and achieve democracy in the name of the people. With humility, moral clarity, courage, and love, the Saturday Free School for Philosophy and Black Liberation invites all to join us in our celebration.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, I I don't know whether we should... uh, Discuss that as a grounding for this year's work, or whether we should go uh, immediately to uh, Emily's essay, which is a political summation of the 10th anniversary. Uh, what do you think, Emily? Are yours go
3: do the reading?
0: What did you
4: say?
3: Yeah, I want to read Emily.
0: Yes, okay, we can go we can go to Emily's <clears throat> essay.
4: Um okay. Yeah, well after reading the vision statement, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm missing something. No. Wait,
3: can I read it? Instead okay. of having you read it.
0: I love it. <laughs> the reason I say so is because she's still <laughs> editing <laughs> as she's reading it, you know. Well,
3: if she, maybe somebody else to read it instead of her because she's been looking at it. Mm-mm.
0: Okay. I think If you don't mind I mean No, no. no. right now given you know that she's still working and it has worked deep into the night on it, Uh Yeah. I, I think you know she she knows
5: uh yeah, you know what yeah. I saying. Yeah.
4: I think yeah. I should read it cuz mm-hmm. then I'll adjust my language as I read out loud I mm-hmm. think. Um But I, I'm actually I'd be interested in your all of your feedback on this because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just finished it this morning so there might be some parts that are um weird but um Rajya to have that journal in India called Vishwa Bandhu um and they wanted us they wanted me to write a political summation like a report on the 10th anniversary of society free school um and what it what it kind of says about the state of the American people today So this is the political summation. So the title is reporting on the 10th anniversary of the Saturday Free School for Philosophy and Black Liberation and the Emergence of a New American People. On the last two weekends of this past September, the Saturday Free School for Philosophy and Black Liberation celebrated its 10th anniversary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, entitled knowledge and recapturing the revolutionary spirit for our time. The 10th anniversary spanned across the city, holding symposia on Martin Luther King Jr. and his uncompromising faith in the future of the American people. Documentary screenings on James Baldwin and African revolutionaries such as Marion Ngawabe, Madiba Keita, Kuchis, Lumumba, Kwame Nkrumah, and Amilcar Cabral, who, hand in hand with Asia, led a world struggle against colonialism and imperialism. Panels dedicated to pedagogies for the moral, spiritual, and political education of youth and children, and a closing intercivilizational concert in tribute to heroes whose lives are an example to the youth. In a time of domestic and global crisis, where the actions of the American ruling elite pose an existential threat of nuclear war, the Saturday Free School's 10th anniversary declared that now is the time of a heightened struggle of the American people to forge a new nation and a new people. What is happening in the United States is not what the Western media, intellectuals, or large parts of the so-called left insist. The American people are not becoming more fascist and more white supremacist. They have become ungovernable, ungovernable by the status quo in the current US state. There is an increasing crisis of legitimacy where the American people do not trust their government to serve their interests. And the government is wholly ill equipped to know which direction their people will head and how they will respond. These developments are positive and have revolutionary potential. The 10th anniversary asserted that America has had three revolutions 1776, Civil War and Reconstruction, and finally, the Civil Rights Movement. The Saturday Free School considers today a pre revolutionary situation in America ushering in a fourth American revolution that can complete the unfulfilled democratic goals of the third American revolution, the civil rights movement. The 10th anniversary's vision statement declares, quote, despite the certain uncertainty and chaos of the moment, we are at the beginning of a fourth American revolution. The central democratic goal of the fourth American revolution is to bring to actuality the yet unfinished goals of the third American revolution. To achieve democracy and peace, we as a nation must, must grasp the moral, spiritual, and political values articulated by Martin Luther King Jr. Based on these values and the vision that inspired them, the people must take power. If we are to have a future, a new democracy anchored to the people and their aspirations must be established." Despite false movements pushed by the ruling class and cynicism pushed by so-called progressives and leftists, The American people are more united than ever in their discontent with the US state and their desire for a new America. One where they can earn enough to retire and give their children a future. One where democracy guarantees peace, safety, and development. The question that remains is that of capacity. Do the American people have the capacity to achieve a new nation? We at the Saturday Free School in the 10th anniversary answer with a resounding yes. W.E.B. Du Bois explains in Black Reconstruction that during the Civil War, the white poor were unable to look forward. Mm -hmm. Imagine beyond the aristocratic and existing systems, which their economic position, identity, and existence had all depended on. They refused to join the masses of formerly enslaved Black workers in creating a new society out out of the ruins of the cotton kingdom. Many white workers responded violently, blaming black people for their low status, homelessness, and unemployment, and only knowing how to report their suffering to the government, rather than organize. The recently freed African Americans were different. They self-organized, helped each each other, armed with a deep belief in their destiny for freedom and democracy, quote, the most discouraging feature was the utter helplessness of the white community in the face of the terrible problem. Almost any thoughtful traveler could see that the majority of whites were parasites, idlers, and semi-vagabonds. According to Sidney Andrews, quote, the Negro, as bad as his condition is, said he, seems to me on the whole to ag- accommodate himself more easily than the whites to the changed situation. I should say that the question at issue in the South is not what shall be done with the Negro, but rather what shall be done with the whites, I quote. And this is a quote from General Hatch, that Du Bois is quoting in Black Reconstruction. Unlike the Reconstruction period, today the white working class and poor are coming to understand that their suffering will never be alleviated by the powers that rule this country. Problems of the people are addressed when convenient and profitable to those in power or to suppress the masses growing discontent. Today, ordinary white Americans are understanding what Martin Luther King Jr. declared in his opposition to the Vietnam War that the enemy of the American people are the intertwined evils of war, poverty, and white supremacy, and whoever upholds and profits from them. Like Henry Winston, the former chairman of the Communist Party USA said, quote, the oppressors themselves are never divided by color, End quote. The only solution is a united struggle for a society which serves the people. How could the American people not see the enemy today? Today, the people experienced the devastating fallout of a promise that they believed to have been broken, but in actuality was never really given. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control recently announced this December that the average American's life expectancy fell to its lowest since 1996 at 76.4 years. Despite the co- besides the COVID pandemic, this large drop in life expectancy is blamed on a rapidly growing drug, drug epidemic, in particular fentanyl addiction. Drug overdose deaths have jumped from 28.3 deaths per 100,000 people in 2020 to 32.4 per 100,000 people in 2021. Most Americans are poor and inflation has made basic necessities such as food, gas and heating oil so expensive that rising wages don't mean net gain of anything. Local governments have no effective solutions for rising violence in major U.S. cities. Homicide rates in rural America rose by 25% in 2020 while ho- and homicide rates spiked by 30% in metropolitan areas. A prosecutor in Arkansas said that she felt helpless. I don't know what to say besides y'all stop killing each other. American neighborhoods may differ in their geographic location or racial makeup but they share the same trauma. Martin Luther King was assassinated for speaking the dangerous truth that the American people, white and black, have everything to unite around and fight for during the Vietnam War to make America truly free. We see white America today asking, why does my child have to die from drug addiction, suicide, unemployment, broken dreams, and unfulfilled promises by the government? Why is a country so rich and noble enough to send aid to Ukraine, and so democratic enough to lecture Russia and China on governance and morality, so disinterested in finding my husband a job, giving my child an education, let alone keeping them safe. These are the questions which challenge the legitimacy of the state, American democracy, and the existence of freedom in American society. The American people today are not fascist, not ideologically white supremacist. They are the members of the Church of the Overcomer, Church of the Crucifixion, Mother (coughs) Bethel AME, and the Nation of Islam, congregations who agree that there's a deep crisis in the United States with implications for all humanity and that there is a better future for our children that we, meet, that we must live. <coughs> they are the white people in impoverished, deindustrialized parts of Pennsylvania, often living in their communities for generations, experiencing firsthand time passed by in America, but life not getting much better. They are the workers who see fewer job opportunities in their communities, and barely earn enough at the jobs available to provide for themselves and their children. I know women who choose to work just enough hours to count as a part-time employee, not because they don't want to work more hours, but because they need to qualify for state health insurance. These are the workers who call off sick, not because they are ill, but because they sometimes don't have enough money to pay for gas to drive to work. They call off sick, they call off sick out of embarrassment, and because their supervisors tell them to budget better next time. These white workers in de-industrialized areas are not backwards, are not the backward white supremacists that the Western media insists them to be. The main ideological white supremacists are the ruling class dedicated to dividing and neutralizing the American people, and one of the greatest crises of legitimacy this country has experienced. The ideological white supremacists are the banks and corporations who promote Black Lives Matter and create diversity, equity, and inclusion committees, but are committed to keeping Americans poor. The ideological white supremacists are the nonprofit labor union and progressive leaders who hypocritically reinstitute a new form of the color line, spending time and money on convincing their their Black, Latino, and Asian base that the white poor are what's wrong with America. Sadly many alleged leftists and liberals are on board with this project of the ruling class. The real fascist is the consolidation of this country's government, intelligence agencies, high finance, tech, military industrial complex, and media committed to pushing Russia, China, and North Korea to war by any means necessary. For what? The 10th anniversary put forth a new theoretical framework which synthesizes Du Bois and Lenin. Leninism, the highest form of Marxism, in order to fully grasp America's possibilities must be synthesized with the great body of work associated with the name W.E.B. Du Bois. This new theoretical synthesis of Du Bois and Lenin not only allows us to understand America's past, but crucially allows us to know the present and then the possibility of the future of this country. It is Du Bois in particular who gives us the theoretical tools to see that the American people today are not descending into counter-revolution, but the opposite. Du Bois's Black Reconstruction shows us that in America's history, it is the Black proletariat, formerly enslaved, who has an integral capacity to lead other workers and the American people as a whole to realizing democracy in this country. Today, the white worker is increasingly asking the question of what are Black people doing in the face of inflation, war, and betrayal of the US government. They are asking about organization. How did African-Americans not only survive, but become a people and produce what they did? A political, moral, and spiritual education of the people will give them the confidence in their own capacities to act and change the destiny of this country. So-called leftists claim that the the history of America is the history of counter-revolution, and that the U.S. state was not forged in a revolutionary anti-colonial struggle, but in its opposite, a struggle to consolidate slavery. The historian and scholar Gerald Horne, speaking from what he believes is the left, advances a racist, anti-people, anti-working class, and anti-struggle thesis, which gives the upper hand to the ruling class and its ideology. He does this at a time of perhaps the greatest political crisis in this country, containing The possibilities of a revolutionary democratic resolution of the crisis. The fourth American revolution confirms the truth of Martin Luther King's analysis that the United States regime is unjust and cannot, cannot sustain itself. Quote, over the bleached bones and jumbled residues of numerous civilizations are written the pathetic words, too late. We see the qualitative difference in the American people today, especially white people, more critical of an oppressive and reckless state than ever, and more prepared and in need of the knowledge of self and moral courage to stand up, which the black proletariat has gifted to this nation. There is a future for America. It is with the rest of world's humanity already embracing a new world order. Mm-hmm. The American people too are moving and joining humanity's march forward for themselves and their children. The Saturday Free School, which anchors itself in the people and in the Du Boisian construal, views the black proletariat formerly enslaved as the advanced guard of the multiracial people's democratic peace and humanistic aspirations. Such a democratic remaking of American society and ultimately as envisioned by Martin Luther King Jr., the emergence of a new people who in fighting for democracy opens the door to the establishment of a socialist United States. It is our responsibility to join them, to inspire people to have, like Martin, Li- Martin Luther King said, an abiding faith in America in au- and an mm-hmm. audacious faith in the future of mankind, mm-hmm. to nurture and protect the youth's revolutionary potential, and to instill in them the confidence to love themselves, love each other, and make our world better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> Yeah, there there are some Mm -hmm. some small parts that need to edit, like the language.
0: Don't worry about it. We'll uh, we'll work work that out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think think we should talk about the general um, political and ideological content of it, of the essay. Mm and um, because all of this—the call, the vision statement—plus Emily's essay uh, should be used, I think, as working papers, mm-hmm. uh, frameworks, and paradigms out of which we think as we go forward, both tactically mm-hmm. in our efforts um, to advance the idea of unity of the people at this time. But uh, I I won't say if there's anyone else that would like to say something or Emily, if you would like to say uh, something about your essay and uh, so on Mm. with your assessment of it at this stage and such.
4: I think I need more time to sit with the essay to know how I really feel. Mm-hmm. But I will say after listening to Michelle Reed reread the vision statement mm-hmm. and then also in the process of, because the whole process of writing the essay was, well, at first when Raju was like, you should write, you should actually do a report on the 10th anniversary. It kind of made me scared because I was like, oh boy, like there's so much. Because I remember when we were planning, when the free school was planning the 10th anniversary, it happened in some ways to me, I remember it being so fast. I was like, oh, it just happened. Like five days it happened and it was over and then we like moved on. But rereading the 10th anniversary vision statement to help like jog my memory of what did we do? Like how has free school grown? Where are we heading? it was really moving to read the vision statement again, but I was also surprised at how much, like how much I feel like I understood the significance of the vision statement in the 10th anniversary in this world moment, you know, this world moment, like all of our conversations in free school about how like, not just domestically in the US but the whole world, like there's a movement moving forward. Like Xi Jinping meeting the Saudi Arabian um, yeah. New leader, like je- even con- our conversation about Kanye and Carrie, like a whole generation that's kind mm-hmm. of like questioning things. I feel like the vision statement, I was amazed at how much we were able to put together at a time when we, I feel like at a time when I wasn't even clear on some of the stuff that's in the vision statement. Mm-hmm. Like I was telling Doc, like I think the tenth anniversary was so multifaceted. On one hand, we were declaring this new theoretical synthesis, mm-hmm. like Lenin and Du Bois, mm-hmm. that, like us as Free School, advancing the theoretical tools, like the knowledge needed to understand not just the past, but today. And if we can do that, then we can understand the possibilities of tomorrow. And, like, you know, us talking about the importance of Du Bois. Can I just
0: make a yeah, suggestion sorry. that formulation should find its way into the text. Just the way you put it. But we'll remember, just I just wanted to say that's a great formulation. Yeah.
4: And then even the things about, and then, yeah, I think this, and then like the sections about like that we stand upon our own history, but also world history. Like, because the 10th anniversary of the vision statement, just hearing it again, I feel like we were able to pull from the 10 years of free school, you know like the year of du bois the year of gandhi the china conference the way we like worship the way we pay worship to the anti-colonial struggles asia and africa and what that meant for the world like what it means for the us like the american people have so much sub like subsist subsistence to like Mm -hmm. like feed on for the future and yeah and then even the u.s history part like Um, the fighters for the working class you know the union leaders Henry Winston of the communist party but then you also have like the freedom the black freedom Struggle. so I don't know I just wanted to say that the 10th anniversary vision statement there's so much in there and I think the 10th anniversary was so multifaceted but I do feel like the thing I take away and that I'm thinking about for 2023 is the question of like Like, what is our role? Like, you know, our role in raising the capacity of people, like clarifying, constantly clarifying for the people, Um, like who the enemy is, but what's possible? What, like, what is the path to, like you said, like the unity of people? Um, Yeah, I kind of see free school, that's where I see free school heading in that direction. yeah, and that's also what I hope, I think that was the original idea of the paper. I know I'm talking a lot, but the original idea of the paper was to basically just make the point that the American people are not descending, are not counter-revolutionary. Like, this isn't a counter-revolutionary moment. And to think so is to capitulate mm-hmm. yourself. You have to get to,
0: that formulation into the essay, too. Yeah. Just oh, like yeah. I'm just, I don't mean Yeah,
4: and to agree, to think, to mm-hmm. think and not question that and to then agree that the American people are counter-revolutionary is to capitulate to the people who want to keep everyone poor, want them to die, want them to stroke, like to keep struggling and, or suffering. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think like that's the point I want to make. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what the 10th anniversary was all about. Not only saying that, that there is a future and we can win it, but to say like, and here, let's begin to talk about how do we even see that? Like, how do you see that?
0: see year way forward so i guess i'm there thank you any, any to i'm this? just gonna say a
6: few um I, I like the um i like the momentum that i'm that i'm feeling for the free for the free school but the the, the main thing that i that i'm growing to, to stay in communication with i'm not with y'all every day mm-hmm. my daily life informs me the meaning of why i'm here but for what you're What you're saying right now, it's it's, it's a lot to do with the relationship of our relationship with with the people that this, what you're doing is the most meaningful part to to allow the influence of our lives, you know, to have like a, a, a flow of meaning so that you're not battling against yourself because you got, I'm a parent, you have parents. This, mad, the masses is made up of, of the people and the feelings and things and you're trying to figure how is this free school, the growth of the free school obtained, this is the growth of all the things that we're doing, how is the momentum of that, the motivation of it,
7: mm-hmm.
6: and, and then all of the other things that I can't put my finger on everything, all these factors, humanness, mm-hmm. you know, how does this humanness transmit to the people that you're writing to that. It's like a letter to the community. Right,
5: it's a letter. That's
6: a very and and the, and the other significant one more. The other significant thing is that the, um, black reconstruction means everything to how you um you're not portraying someone else. You're portraying your authentic part of your life of m- meeting meeting all of these new ideas, and people they I'm not saying they're afraid. They they don't oppose it either. No. They 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 looking for the courageousness mm-hmm. of what what it is what it is that y'all have come to stand for. I'm I'm witnessing y'all, y'all have taken this stand. It's not like some regular stand. It's a regular human quality to, to stand up. But the meaningful part is what you're trying to convey mm-hmm. so that you could communicate these ideas, not just to China, not just to India. Not just the blacks, like, I don't, you know, this is a. Um, this not a quagmire in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is really a, a significant meaning that I'm still alive, mm-hmm. that to, to still be able to be sitting in front of the students. But you have to have that feeling that y'all was born here and you grew here in Philadelphia, not just a, just a Philadelphian, mm-hmm. somebody <laughs> that represents the culture. Mm-hmm. The enormous culture that you are witnessing that you're taking this in every second of the day yeah. this is this is the one my main i had to get up this one this is a meaningful morning like somebody might say morning worship because we can't do anything else but try to move advance with this kind of thinking yeah. is moving us ahead and don't be afraid that the wave is going to hit you you know because y'all this is, this is not a regular thing but it is something that young people have <coughs> Did and Philadelphia represented represents it have stood up in the midst of this terrible issues and not trying to be as fearful as, right. as shaping your That's own character, like King would say, the shaping of the character that needs the revolutionary spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry.
0: Yeah. Anyone? Else? oh, will go, go ahead. is
6: have
8: this, uh, just three questions. I don't think they necessarily have to be answered in the, um, the, the, the 10 year um, call or. Um, um, the essay but just questions that maybe will like, be in the back of mind because I imagine people will bring them up eventually so one of them was I did an interview with Rosa this guy Eli Zaretsky and he wrote a book Eli Zaretsky
0: Eli Zaretsky yeah, you and, was, Rosa did and Rosa me okay. Rosa did an <laughs>
8: interview with him and he had this book in 2012 called why America needs a left and he had a kind of similar On the surface, on the very surface, he had like, also American needs a fourth revolution. Oh,
0: he did say
8: Yeah, but he kind of, he put it different where he started with actually the kind of civil war reconstruction era Mm -hmm. abolitionist. Then he had the 30s. That was kind of my question. Uh. And then the 60s. <laughs> I mean, he brought in the New Deal. And he kind of skipped over 1776. And, of course, my incorrigible self, I'm like, well, what about that kind of thing? But, um, you know, I guess my point is that, like, just as a general question, there is also this other thing of, and it's related to my second question of almost, like, kind of clarifying what makes a revolution or what are the mm-hmm. ends of a revolution mean for him, the 30s were. But maybe someone can make the case that it wasn't, that it was part of you know and you know one might even say the 60s the civil rights movement presupposed the new deal because it was separate but equal it was a question about new deal institutions and my second question was kind of in the revolutions that have been mentioned there've also been the possibilities of counter revolution have come out of them meaning i'm not saying that the that jefferson or madison Intended slavery to Mm -hmm. grow, but it did grow, and it did grow in a way somewhat based on 1776. Mm -hmm. The race codes come out of Reconstruction, Mm -hmm. right? Jim Crow. And maybe out of the civil rights movement, it did transform the parties in a way that now allowed them to capture Mm -hmm. um, different groups. You know, you've mentioned the black misleadership class. And maybe that's always been there, but it's there in a certain way that now you can bring people into like support for Ukraine, mm-hmm. for example. So I did want to raise the question of if this is a fourth revolution. The way that I interpret what you guys are saying is that not that like, oh, and well, now we're gonna have a fifth and a sixth and a seventh thing, <laughs> but that it's like supposed to like kind of put an end to it, bro. Yeah. And then my uh, third question. So Tony, you wrote an article right after the election in 2020 for Black Agenda Report, W. B. E. Du Bois and Lenin, And my interpretation of it, and it's why I thought it was very bold, and I might've been wrong about it, is that you were kind of flipping, well, you weren't, I wouldn't say it was like flipping Du Bois on a head, but you're saying actually Du Bois's point is manifesting in a way that a lot of the Du Boisian scholars don't recognize. Meaning you were talking about the Trump movement and you were saying, it's not that the Trump movement is like a white thing, because actually, there is support across communities is mm-hmm. what the Democrats want to kind of suppress and mm-hmm. say, no, it's like a white mm-hmm. thing. But on the other hand, I don't know if one would call it the black proletariat. They wouldn't say the Trump movement is the black proletariat. And so, but it, nonetheless, you seem to say, well, maybe the kind of advanced side was coming out of this. In other words, this is where the anti-war movement is coming from. This is where Marjorie Taylor Greene and all the House representatives voting against the war. Um, it is, you know, they do want jobs, like Trump ran on jobs. Just that that feeling of like, in other words, it seemed like the progressive side was coming out of that. And I was trying to relate it to the Du Bois because in Du Bois, when he's writing Black Reconstruction, as Emily was just reading from the Looking Backward um, chapter that we read together, um, you know, he's talking about, the way that I interpret Du Bois is that he's saying, this problem in the thirties goes back to reconstruction, right? That black and white unite, like Mm -hmm. is still there. Mm -hmm. And in a sense has been passed down Mm -hmm. and he's writing when it's like, the CIO was just founded Mm -hmm. and it's sit down strikes. And it's a question of labor militancy. And yet there's still segregation as Mm -hmm. he's writing to Abram Harris. I just got Abram Harris's book Mm -hmm. about this. Um, but you know, I guess my question is like, when you wrote that essay, how are you thinking about that that kind of part? So I can repeat the three questions, but, and maybe there's no answer at the no, immediately, but it's no, kind of like,
0: I think it's, yeah. I think it's very important what you're asking, what you're serving because, you know, like uh, the vision statement in Emily's essay, um, it is saying something, speaking to a wider mass, mass of people and, you know, of course we're not delusional, so we're not on everybody's lips at this point, but, you know, our audiences and our, you could say our partners as we go forward, for example, the Church of the Overcomer, the Nation of Islam, the Church of the Crucifixion, as you could say pilots of our target. If certain things, resonate with Mm -hmm. them now of course these are highly organized parts of the people everybody's not that organized everybody's not that disciplined so if if they hear us then the potential is that wider audiences can hear us uh now the thing that Emily is emphasizing, and, and one of the things as we work on this, and mm-hmm. how, whatever form it takes for uh, the Indian journal, that does not yeah. mean we can't continue to work on it mm-hmm. for other publications, you know. Mm-hmm. But what Emily is asserting is that the white masses are not counter revolutionary. This is not a counter-revolutionary moment. I think we can sharpen that point. That is the political point that has to be made. And I think, as you put it, this could be a pre-revolutionary situation. And we can can use language to qualify it, Uh, uh, such as other pre-revolutionary situations have looked similar to this one.
7: Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, you can go all over the world and you can see it. Similarly, if we say, for example, that 1776 and Civil War Reconstruction were revolutions, Mm -hmm. then what preceded them politically looked a lot like this. I mean, extreme dissatisfaction and discontent and division, you know, so uh, I think that your essay in formulating that,
7: mm-hmm.
0: and I think that's a bold position, mm-hmm. that the white masses are not counter-revolutionary and are not fascist. Anybody concerned with the left, and in here inverted commas again, anyone who calls themselves a leftists Mm -hmm. cannot take a position against the masses of their own country.
7: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That
0: cynicism, that nihilism is so um, extreme as to be grotesque. Mm -hmm. And and you know, uh, Emily, I would not hesitate using strong language to characterize that politics. So I think this is very important, that part of it. Now, the question, and so she is making the argument that there, and and you get this in the Western Marxists, those young men are Mm -hmm. saying this in a certain way. People associated with MAGA communists Mm -hmm. are saying it in in certain ways. the difference between what they are saying and what we say is it's not just an assertion, but I think, and in, in your essay, I think, in the vision statement as well, a, a political foundation for a politic of revolutionary change. And by this, we're not talking as we were talking last night. your we're not talking about the Maoist, uh, uh, what what I consider caricature of revolution. Now, that having been said, and perhaps uh, if we, you know, if we subsection um, in the essay, maybe not because I know you're up against. Uh, uh, a deadline would rise you. <laughs> the
7: subsections would be good. Uh, pardon me? Subsections would be good. Say that again? The subsections.
0: Yeah, subsections would be mm-hmm. very important. But this is uh, Danny's question. Because it is not apparent to anybody, in, I mean, when I say anybody, to most people in this country and certainly to most people around the world, that America has revolutionary traditions. Mm-hmm and in spite of counter revolutions there have also been revolutions that have changed and altered the american people and american society in other words and this this is the thing emily the assertion of a new democracy Mm -hmm. can only be made if we assume democracy in the form that it exists has been fought for and won but to expand democracy required revolutionary change and here we're not and and i want to come back to that because i think this is the case in all modern revolutions that the central task as articulated by revolutionaries was democracy
7: Mm -hmm
0: was democracy. And um, and so here is a very, is an opportunity in the essay, maybe not in this uh, iteration of it, to say what we mean by a new democracy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, but, but to these three, Amer- and I, I would not see the New Deal period as a revolution. And the reason I think, at least for me, and this I try to think about this, mm-hmm. because there's a way that we have to assess and judge all political and, and cultural phenomena in our society at this time. And I think mm-hmm. the fundamental criterion is, does it elevate the capacity of the people mm-hmm. to struggle? Right, right. Anything that does not is either anti-revolutionary or counter-revolutionary. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that always doesn't have anything to do with the people who are the um, vehicle or agents of a certain politic or certain ideology or certain music or whatever. But there has to be some objective assessment. Okay. And I would say the three revolutions that we are talking about, and the most difficult one, people will be more more could more readily see, well, the American Revolution, in spite of the con the, the controversies around Gerald Horn, you know, well they could see that as an anti-colonial struggle, revolutionary change relationships, et cetera the Civil War reconstruction, it's obvious. Although, again, most people would not view it as a revolution, but certainly if, you know, I, I guess the work we're going to do will help in that. But the most difficult one is the um, Civil Rights Movement. And because it has been so brutally appropriated, mm-hmm by the ruling class. And many of the activists and leaders mm-hmm. uh, easily uh, fed into that appropriation mm-hmm. uh, for benefits to themselves, I guess I'm, mm-hmm. I'll put that. But that's gonna be the most difficult one. And, But I think,
3: what do you mean by oh, yeah. that? The um, yeah. what do you mean by the meaning of the civil rights movement being appropriated? Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. In other mm-hmm. words, uh, they build a statue of Martin Luther King in oh, Washington yeah. D.C. Uh, uh, In other words, people, you know, a lot of black people would see Obama as the new Martin Luther King. I was just
3: reading an article too. They built a statue in the south of like it was a dream team statue, mm-hmm. but it was right next to a Confederate like
0: mm-hmm.
3: army statue. Yeah. So it was like. Yeah, very yeah, very.
0: but see, wow. yeah. but you know, the way the ruling class appropriates a movement, a history, is by building statues. Mm-hmm. So, so symbolism? Yeah, symbolism, mm-hmm. symbology. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but that that's the one we're going, and I think you say it, and we can say it more, mm-hmm. because what we are getting at is that, and I believe this, the qualitative capacity of the American people was heightened as a result of the Civil Rights Movement. Mm -hmm. I didn't put that in the best room. Mm -hmm. Qualitatively, and this is going to be the point of philosophical, theoretical, ideological debate and discussion, has the capacity of the American people to achieve new democracy, to achieve new freedom? To achieve a new society and elevate it as a consequence of the civil rights movement has that spirit more than even the civil rights of 1776, Civil War, I'm sorry, the seven, has the spirit of nineteen. 19- to 1975, has that spirit been infused into the consciousness of the American people? I would ask this question, and this is, this is sociological, mm-hmm. this is political science, and it's all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if there were any real sociology and political science in, this, in these academies, they would be asking this question. Do the, peop- the American people today see themselves more as a single people mm. today than they did 50 years ago? Mm.
7: Yeah. I
0: would make the argument they do. Yeah. Now, it's not a perfect, we're not talking about perfect situations. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about mm-hmm. nirvana. We're not talking about a utopian. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking about human capacity. Mm-hmm. Right. And if the American people see themselves, Today, more as a single people, Mm -hmm. and we have some evidence in our own experience, this experience with the Nation of Islam and the Free School. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about seeing, this is an organization whose ideology and cosmology and theology was based upon, in its originary form, that the black people were not a part of America. It was very strongly placed. I don't think that is the case today. I don't think that has been the case for some time. And this is based upon, you know, my own sociological ethnographic studies. I haven't done uh, surveys. I know a lot of people I've observed and so on and so forth. I know, you know, in other words, Knowing people who were in the first resurrection and knowing those same people today, and if I talk to them today, they talk about the second resurrection in ways that they would not have spoken about the first resurrection. They too, my point—that's this one I'm getting—they too see the resolution of the race question of racial inequality in the formation of a new nation, a new people. I I mean, to me, I, I know I'm making statements, but it is as real, as concrete, as just sitting across from you, Emily, talking to people, looking at the practice, mm-hmm. listening to what they say, you know, uh, the same thing with the Church of the Overcomer. Small church, but a powerful ministry—a freedom ministry. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? A revolutionary ministry. Uh, Well, it's it's so. It's as though we're we're reading from the same page. Uh, And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It resonates. So I'm saying that was the key moment. In contemporary American history, that is the civil rights movement that then makes the future possible. You remember uh, Jimmy Baldwin, his phrase, "Achieving our nation, mm-hmm.
7: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: we are closer. We have greater possibilities." I can. You might wish to use that, Emily. We are closer, or we are on the cusp of a struggle to achieve our nation.
7: Yeah. yeah. See, and
0: let me just make one last point. Yeah, right, that's it. It, let me yeah. one small point of this. But here we are, I mean, we are here, here in this room, we are defining what the essence of American Revolution is.
5: Yeah.
0: And it is not a narrow sectarian, um, uh dogmatic frankly unscientific understanding i would argue that what you were putting forward and what we are talking about is scientifically grounded as scientifically gra- well put it this way more scientifically grounded yeah. than some of our friends with this counter revolution of this, counter revolution of the other thing, counter revolution of 1935, yeah. everything is a counter revolution, you know. But uh, so, but it's unscientific. And by scientific, we're actually talking about I just, that unity between social facts, social theory, or and now I'm going to sound like a cocky <laughs> <laughs> But you know, and social practice. This is very, very important. But I, I'll stop there. we we'll go with Danny, I know you wanted to oh, say hey, something. Hey, I, yeah, I, I, the
8: reason I brought it up is yeah, because mm-hmm. a lot of, so a lot of the left in the 2010s, their like imagination of revolution was the new deal. And so I didn't bring it up to be like that I necessarily agree with you. No, I'm actually trying to bring yeah. it up to say that Absolutely. I, I'm almost trying to draw out the free school's uh, uniqueness. Yes. You know what I mean? In no, terms no, of a different... Can I just say one yeah. small
0: thing? Just, just, I don't want to interrupt. No, but you're very, very... Right. Look, you take, all, you take the Midwest Marxists. You take the MAGA communists. You take all of these new Marxist groups they're pretty much made up of people who were in the Bernie Sanders movement. Bernie Sanders was a New Deal socialist. In other words, Bernie Sanders' view of the future change was rooted in the New Deal, not the Civil Rights Movement. And hence, and I don't mean to interrupt you, there is a fundamental difference in grounding in terms of class. Yeah. Because the Sanders movement could not, does not, and will not ever understand this concept of the Black proletariat, Mm
7: -hmm.
0: the category of the Black proletariat as an indispensable, in other words, without that category, nothing makes sense. We cannot make our argument Without that category, let me just stop there. I'm sorry. No, 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 but I, I'm, I'm going
8: to, I, I want to keep pushing on this because I think mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. fruitful. Like, in other words, it, it, well, it seems to be fruitful because you of like going, going off on this, which is I'm there. very happy. You know? <laughs> so just one thing quickly, which mm-hmm. is just the, the imagination I found that the DSA had was make the new deal intersectional. If that means anything.
0: No, it said that it. Make thing. the
8: New Deal intersectional. Mm-hmm. Meaning, the New Deal was good, but the problem is they kicked out, say, yeah, they would say domestic servants, which meant the yeah. black people, yeah. sharecroppers, yeah. 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 weren't yeah, subject
7: fine. to mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that,
8: and also politically it was um, the Dixiecrats mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. Northern liberals right. kind right. of yeah. in a coalition, mm-hmm. um, and so the reason I I still bring that up is because then neoliberalism looks purely counter-revolutionary, but neoliberalism also carried with it, as you were just saying, all of these changes in the population that they could only understand as the Republican Party is Reaganite, right? Like, I remember hearing the account again and again, what was it, like, Ronald Reagan, his first presidential place was Mississippi, Alabama, Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's Mm -hmm. dog whistling, Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. um, uh, what's the term? Welfare queen, like these yeah, yeah. things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And so they just read that into Trump, even mm-hmm. though the Republican Party mm-hmm. had been in crisis in the 2000s, mm-hmm. Ron Paul, mm-hmm. Dan credo, mm-hmm. all of these people. Mm-hmm. And I, I bring that up because I I think in pushing on this, this is a way of clarifying, actually, there's, there the brain no there. Yeah.
0: There's, there's no question. Uh, could
8: we, uh Anybody You're else? Oh,
0: I just one just one point
6: because because we're talking about things about the nation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the Islamic community and I, be, I const, I'm a constant I keep informed because I'm not just a particle of one type of thinking mm-hmm. And the thing about in the Muslim community, the conversation that I've been involved in is just we not together like that
5: mm-hmm.
6: is that the conversation that we're having about the founders, and the founding revolutionary ideas that, that that we are utilizing, regardless of what people trying to separate barriers in democracy, or how do we get our revolution on foot to get the foot of it, mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the the remarkable thing in the Islamic world, and this is the world we are in close contact with, like that, is that this conversation is a part of that fabric.
0: As, a part, As a
6: part of that fabric, I don't want to have to bring all the addresses and mm-hmm. that I keep that I have looked at and looked over again because I'm looking at presently what the free school has. It's not a, it's not neutral. It's just it's a medium to deal with other forms of communication. Right. And if we can unify the communication, then we can stay in communication. We gotta, what the conflict is. But in the in the Islamic thing right now is that that communication because of Elijah Muhammad because of Elijah Muhammad and the kind of school of development that might not even be looked at like it was real at all. And that has something to do with the whole beginning of what he had done and and not just the fruit, but his son and the family and then other individuals, they had their own um, way of life. And, and, And just because another person is not utilizing that form of thinking, don't do think that Elijah Muhammad um son Ralph d Muhammad just 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 a shooting rocket. He had students and people that have mm-hmm. their own independent mm-hmm. thing that they could think like. But but that's that's the thing about helping the free school because because this comes from research. Everybody's not reading all this material here mm-hmm. and they're not dealing with it as an everyday thing. But I'm saying what she's doing right now. This is part in the Islamic conversation about the things, the remarkable things you're writing about. It might be I'm gonna call it more on the frontier because everybody's mm-hmm. not tackling all these things. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not, they're not tackling it. But there's other Islamic brothers that, that are talking with this conversation. It's not a private conversation. It's just that everybody's not linked up in the same way that a person would think that. Why ain't everybody know? But everybody's not probably to this conversation. Let's see on. Let's stay on uh, on on the internet. Let's stay on this on this YouTube. Oh, that's that's
0: mm-hmm. very.
6: Uh, I, I, this is
0: this is um. I I think God is my witness, but you know something. It's well. I, let me know, let me. Know, I'll go for it. I'm sorry, sorry. Um. Just the one thing I'm thinking
3: about now is that right now it's time to move forward. Like that phrase just came to my mind because um because. I'm also responding emotionally to Mm -hmm. reading over the mission statement again, as well as uh, how, thinking about how the mission statement and Emily's um, essays, though they are working in progress, are different Mm -hmm. from each other, Um, and not many respects, Mm -hmm. not in Mm -hmm. fundamental ways, Mm -hmm. but just maybe in the sense of just that this is written now and that this was also written uh, earlier this year. And what that would also mean is that we've had some time to um, digest
7: mm-hmm.
3: in some ways, what and all of which that we were thinking about in, for the 10th anniversary, because I agree with you on um, all the points that you said about emphasizing the points of unity, how the ruling class wants to make this moment be counterrevolutionary revolutionary for their purposes. Because um, it is not that uh, that isn't the moment that we're in right now, and uh, and then the subject point of totally taking away um, knowledge and history from the everyday lives of people hmm. and saying that like the civil rights movement actually wasn't um, what it was, which also disenfranchises like a generation. Um, and that was the most recent moment that we're coming from. very interesting. Um, could, could I just, um,
0: Emily, that has to be in your essay, the mm-hmm. disenfranchisement of a whole generation, mm. rendering a generation unable to find a way forward. I, I'm sorry. Then,
3: yeah, but then I'm cool. just reflecting also about how much the free school has grown, And um, I guess I'm, I've been doing this a lot, but our business reflecting, I guess, about myself and how much I had to change um throughout all these years of being a part of free school. Mm-hmm. And I think now I've come to a certain place where like it's different than what it was like when I first started. Like there's more of like uh, we were working out these problems of like either like cultural nationalism or like mm-hmm. or it's like who who, and where do we fit in mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, yes, the people who came to free school were different.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: And yes, the free school has also changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to your point about how the nation is in free school, like how qualitatively that changed or whatever. We've been talking about it. But mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, I'm at a certain point where like, there's we're coming to like the time is now, like, the time is now to say these things that we're saying about unity, about Kane. Um, like, why is it that the movies are coming out the way they are? Like, so, what is like that- the whale? Like, why is that <laughs> yes. coming out now? Uh-huh. We're like, you know, that kind of thing.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So, I just, yeah, I that's a- that season to what you were talking about last week, though, about the triangulation. I forgot the word for mm-hmm. it. How, like, everything is basically tied together, like politics uh-huh. and then
9: the general the knowledge triangle. of things. Uh-huh. What was it? I think it was Iron Triangle. Yeah, the Iron uh-huh. Triangle. Did oh, you the when you Iron that? No,
0: that, that's, yeah, the, the guys from Midwest Marxist, they talked about an Iron Triangle of universities, nonprofits and was the media the last yeah, yeah. that's what, yeah, saying. Yeah, that's what yeah. Serafina is mm-hmm. touching on right now yeah, like, yeah she's
3: saying there's a reason that like they're coming out with media the way they are now mm-hmm. to fit into the agenda mm-hmm. of what's going on But well, like, well, what i'm agenda. saying is that like you know i don't think exactly um like i don't think the ruling class can any longer in some ways or in the ways that it had done um, Try and affect the population, which is coming Mm. to such a point of, um, you know, such a point in crisis where, like, things are too much, or like, it's too obvious that we need each other right now, or that everybody isn't doing better, like, these general things about life. But, you know, you know. I'll be able to talk more later, but I'm just trying to say it's important yeah. right now, which is that, like, I think I I agree with all the suggestions, and I think that they're important because they allow uh, us to be able to say um, what's going on right now, just to simply say mm-hmm. it, nothing
5: very mm-hmm. complicated. So, yeah.
9: uh, Doc earlier mentioned I think there's also a tried of. Social theory, social practice. And there is, what was the first one that you mentioned?
0: Uh, you, facts. Uh, social facts, facts. Okay. huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Social facts. Social facts. Yeah. Social data. Yeah. You know, social experience. Yeah.
9: Or the reason why uh, that stood out to me because is because of I think it also alludes to what or points to the method of free school, um, specifically in thinking about the tenth anniversary. I know. Going into the 10th anniversary, many of us were nervous about the language of, of, mm-hmm. of the um, of the vision statement, how people would receive it. And specifically, even like from the first week going into the second week, people felt more confident actually after the first week, and yeah. after having seen the response of individuals, whether at the conference or also in the conversations that we were having with others. Um, and the social facts, social theory, and social uh, practice piece mm-hmm. also, I think, um, reminds me of when we were talking about this uh, this phrase, the testable hypothesis, mm-hmm. where essentially the 10th anniversary and its vision statement and its language were a hypothesis and an offering to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was how we described it. and. It was through the conference, but also in the months following the conference that we were testing where we were essentially testing mm-hmm. this um this vision that we had with people. And specifically it happened through um like the Church of the Overcomer, mm-hmm. the uh Nation of Islam, Church of the Crucifixion, mm-hmm. in which as free school, but also as individual, like as individuals of free school, we were able to see like, was this resonating with people? Were were we off or we're actually, I think what we've come to see is that we were really right about the things that we're saying in terms of the crisis, in terms of the world situation, but also the vision forward. Um, And I think that's also why, like what Emily was, I think it was really important that Emily mentioned these different groups that we're working with, because um, that is all part of, I think, I guess, going back to the place of like facts, theory, and practice. Mm-hmm. I think that is the practice of free school in which we're not, we are trying to bring these ideas to the people in a time when ideas are so important mm-hmm. in the midst of like the, the lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. the lack of clarity, and also of, um, uh, I guess, actually Danny even referenced like the blackness leadership class. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're finding through these Institutions that we've been trying to build a relationship with is that these ideas are resonating um, and that we're continuing to build uh, off of them. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, but oh, sorry, Uh, I was
9: just gonna read some comments that we had. Let's read some comments
0: and then we'll go to uh,
9: Larry's. Uh, So, a bunch of people are saying good morning. (laughs) And like, who are they? Yes. <laughs> 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 Such
0: as
9: Yvonne, um, Sean uh, Stephen Palmier, uh, Happy New mm-hmm. Year as well, Good Morning, Preschool. Um, Stephen says The language is great. The focus on literacy, intellectual, social, philosophical, that is revolutionary literacy. Um, Taft Hartley is the fulcrum of counter revolution.
0: Yeah, Taft Hartley yeah.
9: Additionally, the use of the judiciary as a counter revolutionary tool, mm-hmm. class unity eclipses other distinctions. Following we have, uh, and then in addition, uh, Stephen also added, the class nature of the nation becomes better and better expressed and the suppression of that expression more and more overt. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah has a question uh, or a comment in addition to the question. Thank you for this discussion and reading of the vision statement and Emily's article. It is very clarifying for our experience of the tenth anniversary, as well as what is our task moving forward. I wholeheartedly agree that one of the free school's vital contributions in this time is a formulation of what is the nature of the American revolutionary process
5: mm-hmm.
9: as a process that necess- necessitates the remaking and re- and fashioning of a people. One of my lingering questions is what is the relationship to the state um, and state power in our understanding of this revolutionary process? How does it differ from classical definitions of revolution as one class seizing state power? Perhaps another way of thinking about this is that the process of remaking a people has been present in all previous revolutions that involved the seizure of the state. But, is, but it is in the American context that this question of the transformation of the nation or what King calls the revolution of values becomes the mm-hmm. most crystallized.
0: Wow. <laughs> That was, uh, Jeremiah's uh, comments and questions are very, very significant. Um, I think in some ways it gets, you know, first of all, defining what the revolutionary process in the United States is, has been, what is the history? and I think this is very important. I don't know whether you use the language directly, Emily, I mean, to assert, it's almost to go against uh, assumptions about what is true and not true. To say that the America, that American people have led revolutionary movements, that in itself goes against uh, this um, new left kind of thinking. Uh, but then, and I think Jeremiah is absolutely right about this, and the a task going forward into this year is to be more concrete mm-hmm. about what the revolutionary mm-hmm. process is. Um, I think we had discussed it as part of your article because uh, Raju wanted you to talk about what you experienced with the workers that you represent in your union, Mm -hmm. who are predominantly white, it seems. Is that true? Mm -hmm. At least once. And we were saying, I I think still, uh, the essay has to show that there are common threads in consciousness and such between these poor white working people and poor Black working people you know, upstate Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. and, let's say, um, West Philadelphia, Southwest Philadelphia.
7: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Sociologically, Mm -hmm. in many sociological characteristics, they are not that different. Mm And thus, and they do not see themselves as adversaries. And this is, I think, I am attributing what I call a qualitative change mm-hmm.
7: Mm-hmm. in
0: the American people
7: mm-hmm.
0: to the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and the ongoing, um, I don't think the American people, when I say the American people, mm-hmm. I don't want somebody to say, well, uh, in in a, a community center in Bucks County, uh, they were talking about Martin Luther King or something like that or you know whatever 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 we're not quite saying it that way i think what we are saying is the categories through which the american people as a people think Mm -hmm. and see themselves in the world are different today than they were 50 60 years ago Mm -hmm. they are different Mm -hmm. um I mean, I I think I mean in survey research, so social survey research points it out. People take it for granted mm-hmm. these days. Oh well, yeah. I mean, so what? It doesn't, you know. So it's a trivial fact. Right. It is a huge fact that the American people do not see themselves so much as against one another or different from one. They see themselves more. <clears throat> this is not an act. We're not talking about absolutes. We're talking about tendencies. They see themselves as a people. And they see the so, the solution to these deep problems
7: mm-hmm.
0: as uh, being solved through the people as a whole. You know, everybody, you know, well, you know, you, you, you get what I'm saying. I think you know, this idea of quantity and quality, there is, there is a new quality, I would argue, among the American people. We're saying a new people, but already I would argue that new people yeah, is in the yeah. process yeah. of forming. Right. And we see it in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. We see, I mean, you can go in any public space, Reading Terminal or any other public workplace. People are not uh, willfully and intentionally segregating themselves. Mm. There is no back of the bus Mm. as such people sit beside each other they greet each other right. you know what i'm saying yeah okay that does not mean because yeah, yeah. you know when you when you make assertions like these yeah. the opposition which is i should say philosophically and logically empty It's just saying things, saying things. And that is what is so frustrating. And of course, the ruling class has given them a big microphone (laughs) so they can shout everybody down. We are not making absolute statements. What we're saying, and I think for anybody that's listening, qualitatively, the American people are different in significant ways than they were 50 years ago, the height of the civil rights movement. There, I don't think there are any two ways about it. What do we attribute this to? To the civil rights movement, to a movement, and in particular to the figure of Martin Luther King Jr. A new equality, a, a new quality. That's one thing, and I, I think I would argue that I know we'd have to argue with with articles and books and so on. But I think there's enough scientific evidence to make that point. Mm -hmm. That we're not just saying that a new American people will be. We can say a new American people is already taking shape.
5: Yeah,
0: it is. Would you agree? Yes. I guess guess the other thing I wanted to just say on this, But emphasizing new.
3: Yeah.
0: New. Because see, the opposition, the Gerald Horns of the world are saying that nothing has fundamentally changed. That's such bad history, bad Mm -hmm. science, bad everything, bad intentions.
7: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Nothing has changed. Or the other argument, things are worse now than they've ever been. White people are more racist now than they've ever been. And you say, well, well how can you make that argument? Well, I'll make that argument based upon the 1619 project. Oh. So you know, I don't want to go philosophically how yeah, you would argue against it, but it is not data-based. There is no concrete data to prove that. In fact, all concrete data shows, if you know how to read it, that the American people are different. White America is different than it was. You know, I would even go so far. Now this is this is just more personal, what my own observations are i think and this goes for me if i go back to 1980 Mm. and the way i thought which was very not that clear then i would say (laughs) Uh, but i and most americans do not see separate paths of development Mm -hmm. that the color line is so Entrenched that the only, like for instance, the only path to black freedom and equality is a black path. Right. That's why Afrocentrism uh, uh, took root. You know, it's, it's always going to be there among the oppressed group. Yes. They're skeptical. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe anything anybody says because you know, blase. Mm-hmm. That's it. just like you pointed out, Danny, in your question. Why is Gerald Horn popular? Mm-hmm. See, Gerald Horn's popularity, contrary to what he wants to say, is more mm-hmm. among white
8: leftists. Yes, of course. It, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> that's, just, <laughs> I, that's a social fact. I know That's, <laughs> that's a, a hits,
0: social yeah. fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to just add
8: to it. I, I, think, ahead, I sorry. think the middle class is actually more racist than the working class today because they actually think up more reasons. They re-race so much into things that they won't actually allow well, we're
0: t- can I ask the question? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I just want to add are we talking about the yeah. professional middle class?
8: Yeah. The yeah. Educated? I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it it kind of disperses mm-hmm. amongst like mm-hmm. there's the professional and then there's like people just from the middle mm-hmm. class, but it, it it is in the zeitgeist or something. Mm-hmm. Because like, you know, I'm just sometimes I just think of, you know, my father's like a from Brooklyn kind of sounds like a construction worker, like working class person, and just things that he has said in the last 10 years he would have not said 20 years ago. Because it just kind of disperses through the really because he's taking on some of the like woke language because he wants to not, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to be a dinosaur, I want to be right, right, a right, time right. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like strange dumbass coming mm-hmm. out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. But the reason I, I say that is because the professional manager class kind of invent new ways, they transform racism. So it's in like everything. And it's not that there aren't disparities, but microaggressions and, Mm -hmm. and, or they'll be like, well, now racism is like conspiratorial. It's kind of secret or something. There's like a secret conspiracy. Mm -hmm. And I, my feeling with, you know, working class people I've talked to is that they're like, no, I'm not racist, but then the middle class will say, yes, you are, and they'll go. And that just creates resentment, you know? Yeah. It's like, if you're like, no, I actually think in the quality of people, and someone says, no, you secretly, <laughs> yeah, you right. don't even know that you do, <laughs> yeah. that, that this is like talking down to somebody.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And this, this is uh, the great disconnect between the intelligentsia and the universities yeah. and the masses. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I think the, I think the use of middle class it's is fair. not right. Yeah. 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 Sure. Because... I feel like it's more, yeah, it's interesting because I'm actually the workers in my union are probably considered middle class. Mm -hmm. But they are really, they don't like, they see themselves as middle class.
0: (laughs) Well, but this is the American understand, quote, understanding. When they say middle class, they're really talking about middle income. Okay. Yeah, between the poor and the rich. So the middle class, is so, that well, You know, yeah. so it's, everyone is yeah.
6: Yeah, it's so everyone. Yeah. yeah. It ought to
0: be almost absurd and meaningless. Yeah, I mean, yeah. average, huh? Average, ordinary. Okay,
4: ordinary. okay.
0: Uh, yeah. I guess you could put it that way. Exactly. Yeah, but it's more of an income, yeah. education-defined category, social category. category. Yeah, but then it's
3: also the question of interest, depending on different groups mm-hmm. of, yeah. of people and where they are and things like that. Yeah.
10: Yeah. I think Blaze said
1: something to say. Oh yeah. yeah, a suggestion for the essay possibly. When I was thinking about the essay compared to the 10th anniversary statement, it was heavily like domestic focused, which is correct about like class and, and American people. But um something that was so pivotal to the Tenth anniversary was this global perspective of like where are we as an American people or country in a changing global moment um, and the intercivilizational aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if, especially if you're writing for an Indian audience, mm-hmm. that might be something to stress that preschool sees itself as an intercivilizational organization. You had already kind of touched on this. You're like I kind of want to put more about anti art the art. Heritage of anti-colonial struggles from Africa, from those Mm -hmm. revolutionaries that were in the 10th anniversary. But just situating ourselves like in a a global Mm. space. There's a lot. I mean, you have so many suggestions. I don't know if that needs something. something.
6: I think I think all of y'all have got parents. Everybody has parents. This is something to 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 to, to, to like calmly bring it to how that is. Oh. To, to,
0: to you know to relate it yeah. to
6: parents.
3: Yeah,
0: you probably should. Yeah. Um, oh, parents. I'm sorry. Just uh, can I just make, bring up one other point? Because uh, you know, uh, Emily, uh, you are engaged in your essay in a polemic. Uh, with this whole set of ideas that are out there that are coming from the ruling elite, that the American working people are fascists or yada, 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 and that Trump is the greatest threat to democracy. The point I would like to see in the article, it is, and I mean, if we wanna say it openly, if you wish to, I think it's a point (laughs) that you can feel safe in saying that it is not Trump that is the great threat to democracy, it is war. And once you put it that way, then, you know, I mean, okay, if that's untrue, then show that it's untrue. That war is not the great threat to democracy. And frankly, it is, even at this time. And the other thing is that the American, because the American people are aspiring towards a democracy that does not exist, and you might say has never existed in the country, a new democracy, because their aspirations clash with the power of the existing ruling class. It is the ruling elite that has smeared them as racist and fascist.
1: Actually ties in kind of what I was saying. Mm -hmm. What is our global stance? Uh, It's it's an anti-war stance. That's right. It connects connects the domestic and the global. There's no question.
0: And it connects peace to democracy. In other words, don't run around here and tell me, well, I'm going to vote for Biden or another neocon president because I'm fighting for democracy. No, you're not.
3: And it also says that you can't tell people who to vote for anyway. That's right. Because if they want to vote for Trump because he speaks to, you know, their interests, then they'll vote for Trump and then... Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: No.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Or you I know. guess
0: what we're doing is demystifying or challenging this definition yeah. of Trump, yeah. by which they mean not just Trump, but all those people who are following him.
7: Right.
10: <clears throat> well, the term populism has become a threat. You know? Right. Right. What is popular now is not okay for some mm-hmm, reason. Mm-hmm, Before mm-hmm. it was okay to be popular in a certain contexts, mm-hmm. but now populism is seen as the end of mm-hmm. democracy somehow.
3: Or like fascism or something. <laughs> sure,
10: yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's ironic mm-hmm. to think of what the term democracy means. Right. I think popularity has something to do with it, right? Yeah. So. I,
5: was,
6: I was looking through a lot of the briefs with Trump, right? But the thing that made me on right there is that it's all the facts against no facts. <laughs> you got, it's facts that I'm looking at and then the things that I'm not just talking about Biden I like he was talking about window washing, but it's no facts. It's just anything to be blanketed. But when some of the things I am read through Trump from the beginning anyway is that mm-hmm. I can put my finger on, on the facts, whether it's the budget or whether it was military spending mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, I'm not saying gang, whatever shadow plays that go on, but he still was what we rely on. On, on, on a certain amount of facts, opposed to the other administrations who had wicked facts. You know, the fact that you can blow up anybody country any time of the day, and he wasn't going on mm-hmm. those facts. There was no facts about yeah. it, yeah, period. You know, whether it's Libya, all these mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. thousand wars going on, or whether the border, cross, all these things was mm-hmm. opposed to the opposition ones, they didn't have to have the fact to show to the public, the public, the public is not they're not in this room right here, but they wasn't willing to put their finger on on the pat from the fact that he had a lot of factual information that he got took first hand, and 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 maybe not getting it from a straw dog or whatever, it is somebody just tell you anything. So you know, no, this. So is- we got uniquely, we would have been lynched to say I I, I voted for him, but I had to. I, I'm thinking about. You, I'm thinking about the Grapes of Wrath. I'm not blanking everybody that I met up and down this whole Pennsylvania on being a uh, uh, fascist. what I know full well, what I knew coming through the Vietnam era that I knew with my fingers pointing on facts about, you know, people that have been mystified about a war that we didn't get anything from out of it. And the same thing is still going on. Mm-hmm. Just destruction and, the, and destroying the fabric. And they um, assassinate King. They assassinated a whole lot of people for for being the opposition, and and nobody anything about it at all. That.
3: No, just the other thing about uh, always seeking political clarity and ideological clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, I guess is the point that she was making about like Henry Winston. Though there were leaders like Henry Winston, we don't know about him now. They, even when they were alive, they were kind of pushed aside too. But mm-hmm. like they weren't taking it as seriously as they should have been. Mm-hmm. Um or King wasn't as understood as he could have been. Yeah,
5: really um good. but
3: I think now since we have spent time with these thinkers and that we uh and we're gonna be continue to spend time with these thinkers as we move forward. Mm-hmm. And that they'll always be there to kind of go to, I think is also mm-hmm. really important to the whole yeah. mm-hmm. schematic.
7: Yeah.
0: You know, That's why I think the your question um, of synthesis, mm-hmm. you know, um, this notion of a lenin Du Bois synthesis, mm-hmm.
5: yeah.
0: you know, as um, and all of you all may have a similar experience. I've um, in recent months been spending more time looking on looking at YouTube yeah. <laughs> and lectures and Festival. and different podcasts. Yeah. And I find it very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um especially because so much of YouTube are young men, uh-huh. at least the part I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rediscovery or the discovery of Marxism. Uh-huh. And to a certain extent, Lenin is very positive and it comes out of a deep discontent with the left with Bernie Sanders and such. But um, if, if I could just put it this way, where does Marxism go after Lenin? I mean, you know, there, you know, like I said, I think I said last week, you know, you can you can go to any elite university and take courses in Marxism. In fact, write a dissertation on Marxism. And there are professors who are Marxist professors, self identify and who get tenure because they do research on Marx. Uh, I don't know, however, of one course on Lenin. Wow. At least I don't know of it. But Lenin, among other things, rescued Marxism from opportunist, mm-hmm. people who had appropriated Marx, the work of <coughs> Marx for objectives, Other than what Marx held, it was Lenin. And he was the one who said that Marxism is still a science of revolution. And uh, one cannot underestimate that. Marxism became, and I I know a lot of people would find this difficult, Mm -hmm. Leninism, Lenin. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it's unbelievable. You know, of of all the things about Lenin that I like about his writing and his boldness, Mm -hmm. the thing that really, um, you know, turns me on about him is the way he deals with philosophy. And if he could think about philosophy the way that he did, Mm -hmm. it suggested that he was thinking about other things that way. Now, what do I mean the way he thought about philosophy? Remember when we started on Hegel, Mm -hmm. I said that philosophy, like Clausewitz, Uh is another way of doing politics. And it is. But I, that's my kind of language, but I get it right from Lenin. And I like that. Mm -hmm. He does not let, the theologist, the priest, the philosophers—very similar people, by the way—off mm-hmm. the hook. Uh-huh. That uh, you—you don't—you know, there's no hiding place from the truth of the people's struggle and the revolutionary imperative. That is, man, and I, you know, I just—I I can't tell you how much I like that, <laughs> even love it. That he said that every endeavor of mm-hmm. society is connected mm-hmm. to the great struggle for democracy and freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a profound insight. I and I just from, I don't think that Marx and Engels had it that clear as he did. Mm-hmm think there's something unique about that. And then, of course, the other thing now. But Lenin's great achievement is to understand that it didn't take an advanced capitalist country to have a revolution. It could be in a, quote, backward country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now we're back to the United States. Right. An advanced capitalist country.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: What is the path to revolution? If you go to Europe, the European political parties don't, all they want to do is transactional bargaining agreements with the state and unions, so to speak. But not there's no revolutionary vision in Europe that I know of. Mm-hmm. But here, because of this great work of, I think of Du Bois in particular, Mm -hmm. we can still imagine a revolutionary theory, Mm -hmm. but it cannot stand alone. It must be in dialectical relationship Mm -hmm. to Leninism, Mm -hmm. which is Marxism. There is no revolutionary thinking that well that is not also marxist we say a synthesis but the synthesis assumes and builds on marxism mm-hmm. this is i think very important just like horn discard marxism pretty much discarded it I would say pretty much the Communist Party. I would say the DSA. They're not Marxist. They use a Marxist phrase here and there, and you know, it's a, a more what what you would call performative Marxism. But one thing they were all rushed to tell you: we don't like Lenin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, how can you how can you be a Marxist and dislike Lenin? So, but then. To say that is to also recognize that even for Lenin's worldview, there were limitations. And that's why, um, again, Du Bois is so important. It really, he really is. Mm -hmm. And this category of the black worker. Mm -hmm. Um, And just when I say category, I'm also talking about a knowledge category, a category that explains things. What we call uh, a concrete universal.
7: Yeah.
0: And we got to work. We got to work, 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 work. We got a lot of work we got to do <laughs> to, you know, clarify all of this going forward. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, Danny. Can
8: I, uh, raise, raise a thought because, um, like, it-
0: where's the board? There water? Okay.
8: There, there's a there's a famous work where Lenin responds to his old teacher Kowski, the renegade Kowski, yes. right? And yes. my favorite chapter on it where Lenin is defending what they did, because he says the reason we can defend what we did is because we gave an idea to the world. dictatorship of the proletariat and he gives this analogy of it being translated from latin and it was translated into russian and he goes and now it will be translated to the other languages of the world and he goes even if we were to go down we would have still played a part because we made it we made it possible that the world didn't have to resolve this conflict in an imperialist peace that it could be possible to resolve it in a revolution right in other words this is how he's defending that even if i get shot it would actually be worth it that I've done this. And I bring this up because, you know, back to this this question of Lenin and Du Bois, um, you know, a lot of Du Bois' work is in response to the kind of vulgar way in which Lenin was translated into America, where, you know, like sharecroppers, oh, it's the Russian peasant, and people would do this kind of dogmatic Leninism, whereas the real question is they never translated the Lenin. They just kind of took it at, at face value and I bring that up because I still think one of the ways in which like this question of Lenin, you know, like what is the relationship of, of, of Lenin to America? Cause maybe there's never really been like the the real, the real like rediscovery of Lenin in America. Maybe think, that would be
0: the way I would put no, that. I think that's a, you know what I mean? Like, in other words,
8: I agree that you have a lot of millennials and mm-hmm, Zoomers today mm-hmm. who like you were mentioning all of the podcasters on YouTube. Yes. And they're like, let's go read what is to be done. And I'm going to start that tonight in my, you know, Kenosha, Wisconsin or something like that. And okay, God bless. I -hmm, I love mm -hmm, the the enthusiasm. mm -hmm. But of course that would be just the direct application. Whereas the question is, what does it mean to translate Lenin into the, you know, to use his own words that you have to translate things.
0: Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So uh, what would be your evaluation? of the Russian uh, you know the Soviet translations of the collected works of Lenin do you think it is oh I,
8: I I'm not uh, disagreeing with the words oh okay. I, I'm trying okay. to put it at a philosophical level of what okay. does it mean to rediscover what Leninism means in America not in I, terms of like I agree those, with yeah.
0: that but that that's see that's the huge question yeah that is a huge because they're not I mean most are not talking about Lenin it is. It is though. It's. A, it's a. You know. I put quote. Marxists have a very strange relationship
8: yes. to Lenin. You know. um I would. Can I say a controversial thing? Cool. I don't think we would talk about Marx if it wasn't for Lenin. I think I, Marx would have been a. You know, vapor. So somebody that the boys know. We were talking about this. He knew Marx, but he was like, oh, he's interesting, but we're beyond that. But Lenin is like. Oh, one more story. One more story. I know we're about to say Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I guarantee you'll like this story. I, I know you'll like this story. So apparently Lenin played chess with, a, I think, a Polish journalist. And he used to play chess with them. And the guy was like, oh, nice guy, you know, good chess player. He's a friendly guy. who would go on or something. And he's like, yeah. And he would talk about this thing called Marxism with almost a religious sense. And he was like, yeah, it's just like my friend. It was a little idiosyncratic, like he's goofy or something. And he goes, and then I see him lead this revolution and he shook my world. Like I didn't even know it was a thing like that. So that the story I just wanted to give is that it did seem like a. this is a weird, you know, my friend is into weird stuff. I don't know. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Uh, almost
8: yeah. the cult. Yeah. A cult.
0: Uh, but you know, I would just say without the Russian Revolution we wouldn't be talking about. Marx. Yeah. And if if the Russian Revolution is Lenin in a big way. Without Lenin, I don't think you have the Russian Revolution. You know? And without the Russian Revolution,
8: Marx is a dead letter. It's not mm-hmm. important. It would have been responsible for World War One. is what it would have looked like.
5: Because mm-hmm.
8: then you have the August 4th moment, meaning what do you get with Marxism? Oh, the Marxists vote for World War One. Do people yeah. want to remember that? <laughs> <Not> <laughs> well, I don't know they could <laughs> say. That's right. Yeah. In
0: other words, the German Social Democratic Party mm-hmm. voted.
8: Uh, that's, for, that's what uh, it would come to. It would right. be a theory
5: yeah,
0: of you yeah, should
8: go and yeah, have imperialist yeah, wars. Yeah,
0: yeah. So now here we are, the biggest crisis. <coughs> hmm. Maybe the biggest cri- political crisis uh, in the Western system since, let us maybe, 1917. Just to be safe and careful at this stage. The biggest crisis. What, and if we're talking about, and you know, a lot of ways Leninist and Marxist theory is a theory of crisis. I mean, to take crisis out of the discussion of Marx as the analytical Marxists do, we'll talk about those guys later, but you're not talking about Marxism. Without crisis, you cannot talk about revolution because if you think you take on the ruling class You know, just head on head without the ruling class being in a crisis. You make a mistake. But then the American crisis, and this is, I think, why Du Bois becomes this huge, huge figure. And there has to be this, just like Lenin with Marx as a new synthesis, Du Bois and Lenin must be the synthesis, I think this time. Uh, the other side of it is it answers many of the questions of the new young Marxists, but then it addresses the BS of all of these leftists who are now just progressives and have all these crazy theories like 1619,
10: 16,
0: the counter-revolution type of thing. Yeah, that, that's a, yeah. Okay.
10: Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about how you're saying the reason Marxism uh, has influence is because of historic developments from Lenin mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. why that was able, why was Lenin, why did what Lenin say resonates so well with hundreds of millions of people mm-hmm. and why is it that Marxists in America don't seem to have yeah. much, mm-hmm. there's not much reverberation in their, in their mm-hmm. um, discussion. Um, And just yeah trying to trying to root these ideas among a crisis that people are living through that they can see and they can hold and they can use Mm -hmm. um i mean that's that's the moment we're in and i think that's part of the reason that london um is um sort of bastardized or Mm -hmm. uh, or used in these certain ways Mm -hmm. i mean clearly there was some success on it, right mm-hmm. we're going to say it was all backward it was all a failure what was 200 million people thinking then? you know <laughs> because mm-hmm. clearly mm-hmm. it had some application you know um so it's sort of piecing together these these parts and of course the voice you know his his work resonated with martin Luther king mm-hmm. and talks about from mm-hmm. and paul robeson and others so clearly there's some resonance there as well mm-hmm. um Which is why we look. This is so interesting. Yeah. um, Yeah. How do people? because it's ideas that
0: influence the movement of people, and that's right. It's
10: it's developing the dream that all of us have in a way that's concrete that we can understand that we can apply. You know, it's um, until until we can understand, you know, what it means to to build a bike and ride a bike, then we know what it's like. You know, but as as long as we're still dealing in this sort of abstract, right, right.
0: so isolating all oh, the way, let me uh, and then avoid.
3: Just apropos of the conversation about Lenin and um, what translating Lenin in an American context, that made me think of Baldwin
5: mm-hmm.
3: because I was thinking how we uh, study Baldwin. I agree with this point about a synthesis because what we're saying mm-hmm. is that there is like, without, I'm just, like, looking at it, and you I know, like, the bad revolutionary theory, you can't have revolutionary mm-hmm. practice. And that's basically why we're even talking about clinical education, that we, mm-hmm. that there are good ideas that are great ideas mm-hmm. that help guide the people, that can help guide just the spirit that people move in to help guide our spirit. And so when, we, like, we're also saying that there's advancements, and, like, what is to be known in human knowledge like that's the whole reason about like studying hegel Mm -hmm. at all and and two points to that like hegel also opened up the questions about you know knowing and what we see and how we understand but then it's interesting to me how when we have to justify, like in some ways. It's not the word. The right word isn't justified. That's because there's limitations to the English language. But like Lenin, okay. Why Lenin? You go to Marx. Why, who is Marx? You have to go to Hegel and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's also interesting about like um, King, and then you kind of go down that path. But anyway, so I was thinking about Baldwin because when we when we're t- like talking about the synthesis. In some ways, and like translating, like I don't know if there is a Lenin in America at the same time mm-hmm. that Lenin was around, mm-hmm. but I do know that maybe Baldwin, I This came into my mind, so I was like, okay, looked it up. Mm-hmm. The, what did you look up? Man? I looked up if Baldwin wrote anything about the Russian Revolution, mm-hmm. and then the fire next time came up, and this mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. like one thing. Uh, there's a couple of quotes, but. What caught my eye was this, like, section in the fire next time. It said, okay, behind what we think of as the Russian menace lies what we do not wish to face and what white Americans do not face when they regard a Negro reality, the fact that life is tragic. Mm -hmm. And he goes on. Life is tragic simply because the earth turns and the sun inexorably rises and sets, and one day for each of us, the sun will go down for the last, last time. Perhaps the whole root of our trouble, the human trouble, is that we will sacrifice all the beauty of our lives, will imprison ourselves in totems, taboos, crosses, blood sacrifices, steeples, mosques, races, armies, flags, nations, in order to deny the fact of death, which is the only fact we have. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that one ought to rejoice in the fact of death, Ought to decide indeed to earn one's death by confronting with passion the conundrum of life one is responsible to life it is a small beacon in that terrifying darkness from which we come and which we shall return mm. i think he goes on but okay the price of this transformation is the unconditional freedom of the negro it is not too much to say that he who has been so long rejected must now be embraced and that no matter what psychic or social risk, he is, a key, he is the key figure in his country and the American future is precisely as bright or as dark as his. Mm-hmm. And the Negro recognizes this in a negative way. Hence the question, do I really want to be integrated into a burning mm-hmm. house?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so I just want to bring that up. Wow. Yep. Because I think translating Lenin, um, or that question to me made me think about like, well, how specific? Like, in every place, like China has their own questions to specifically resolve, you know. India has their own questions to specifically. But like, as as there's this, the essential things are true, and that's the thing that we read in the Black Worker at the end of the chapter: the emancipation of like labor is emancipation of yellow, brown, and black. I'm totally. Mm butchering that, but the same thing is true. Like there's these principles um, that give clarity, like you're saying already. What gives clarity to um, totally open the doors and mm-hmm. totally uh, like to the capacity of everybody? Um, so I just wanted to mention mm-hmm. that, few things. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, well, I think Emily and then, uh, then oh, Derek.
6: Okay. So, so Lenin for me was a phenomenon early in life. I didn't read everything, but I could have had. Mm-hmm. The thing that I'm saying is that Lenin, the philosophy that I kind of put my finger on to to help me every my daily life, is that those components of Lenin, and especially the book, the ph- the philosophy and physics that people are looking at philosophy and physics together, but for me the component. Of, of their Menon's work, work is is in the physics domain and debois's work for me comes step following this kind of pursuit. it was it was showing me that a new physics. I, I don't want to sit here and write it out like that, but it's just the idea that for us as new students in the physics domain or the physics um, capacity, even if you don't have the writing of it like the physical presence that I could sh- draw some symbols with. It's the idea of it's not assimilating it. It's like all of our observations and all of our data, all of these like calculus. I can't do all this kind of work. Mm-hmm. This is like it's like we it's like we're in the center of these great thinkers, classical mm-hmm. body of thinkers. I think about dust Gasky, I just wanna bring one more, and it's unlimited because we um Oh, so we, are, we are, we are, we are at the, saying. we are at the thirst of like to find out what it is we're doing with all this work. is
0: isn't, isn't this yeah. beautiful? What you're saying, yeah, man? Yeah. Back to yeah, back yeah, to yeah. seraphina Was there Lenin in America, mm. or was there a comparable thinker to Lenin in America? And we said, well, W.E.B. Du Bois, yeah. and and see, this is the and this this is a, a theoretical, revolutionary, theoretical task, a task of philosophy in a revolutionary sense. Just like Derek is saying. Well, hold on, wait, wait, let me make my point, Derek. Just like Derek is saying in Serafina is what do you do with these huge thinkers that have transformed the human. Well, put the, the human condition, if you will. What the hell do? You, oh, Du Bois is. Uh, yeah, that was something nice when he wrote it. But uh, uh, we're beyond Black Reconstruction, and Eric Foner showed that Du Bois didn't know what he was talking about. So uh, you know, do you do you just drop Lenin because of Gorbachev? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, go, 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 go ahead. No, I'm sorry. What's
3: interesting about this conversation is because like these people actually did move people forward. Like Baldwin really wrote Giovanni's Room or, mm-hmm. and you know, people <laughs> have to confront this like two lover situation. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, in reading a book, like I remember listening to all these interviews like Baldwin had and like how he was responding to other people responding to his um, essays and mm-hmm. how, but like the thing about, his stories was, it wasn't solely like, just because they were good, Mm. or like, what does it even mean to have a good story? Mm -hmm. It has to really access a certain part of you for you to like, (laughs) think about it and be like, would I do that in that situation? Do I know this person? Is that me? Do you know what I'm saying? And like, think about it. And that's the same thing with like, like something really, No, you know, because what really happens is like with all these advancements in science and art, and so and like and like even with King uh, as a revolutionary figure, like I'm yeah. just saying, I don't know. I'm, okay, just, like, I'm, I'm this. in
0: awe, man. Go ahead with your band.
1: See I'm
3: saying, like, I was still surprised last week. See them. Go
1: ahead. No, I was still surprised last ahead.
3: week about. Um, uh, when you're talking about like the you know like evolving, what was that thing that like,
0: punctuated, equilibrium? punctuated equilibrium? Wow! Meant?
3: Because what what we're getting to wow. is how we can actually develop the human being. Like what can actually open the doors? Um, so, so and can... the thing is, is that the ruined class wants to slam the bricks on it for like yep. 30 years, 40 years.
5: That's right. What
3: happens is that people become more stupid, more Cynic. incapable, yeah. cynics you know, uncertain, they Mm -hmm. don't actually grow. They start to become something that they're not. But in Mm -hmm. fact, the movement, the civil Mm -hmm. rights movement had changed people, essentially, like fundamentally, inside Mm -hmm. out. And people were able Mm -hmm. to love each other, face each other for a Mm -hmm. certain blip. And then it was like, nope, you can't Mm -hmm. do that. You know, there's a certain um, very like warlike, like like, this cannot Mm -hmm. be, the human being cannot be this because I need to control them. And so I think Mm -hmm. like we, I think I'm excited because it's like what we're arguing for is the human spirit to be completely free, Mm -hmm. like the the human being not to be confined at an expense or at the cost of war Mm -hmm. or hunger or anything. Mm -hmm. We're saying that in Mm -hmm. fact like Mm -hmm. what you know uh-huh. and what you are like feeling, like mm-hmm. what we, because there has been these like intellectual and philosophical advancement, uh-huh. but the ruling class is telling us that no, they actually didn't happen. Uh-huh. Like we haven't actually been through this past 200 years, yeah. but that makes no sense. So that's why it's like. It's
0: beautiful. If, if, can, can I just say if, one, one small thing, if you don't mind, just to add on to that. <laughs> uh, I think it's in the work, the 18th Brumaire, mm-hmm. Louis Bonaparte, the Marxist. Mm-hmm that he observes that comes a time when social crises are so intense and so acute that either there's a revolution to resolve the situation mm-hmm. or the ruin of all classes mm-hmm. the collapse of society mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah, mm-hmm. that's you see, scary. and you reach that that moment and you know we, we use all kind of language in the free school. The ruling class cannot rule in the old way. Gramsci's you know the old is dying, but the new is not yet able to be born, or the bourgeois thing of crisis of legitimacy. But then there is always the risk, and and you you can almost feel it sometimes mm-hmm. in the way the ways that the ruling class is conducting and spinning this question of Trump and the movement and the people behind him and, and the dissatisfaction of the people, mm-hmm. you know, to call, and, and anybody that knows, I mean, God, you don't have to be smart to know that this that the Trump movement is not a fascist movement. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about it that looks like a fascist movement classically defined. Now if you want to call it something else, do that. But mm-hmm. throwing this around in the in the main media, the bourgeois media, mm-hmm. this is fascism, we're we're fighting for democracy against criminals and fascists. Uh, to the ruling class, I'm saying you don't want to push that too far. Because you could Throw society into American society into an irreversible situation where nothing can get resolved. I mean, even if, let's say, even if Mm -hmm. you didn't want to, uh, let's say, like, you don't want to do with the free, you know, a new democracy and all of that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Trump got about 50, 60 million people or more that would vote for him, agree with him on many, many things. Oh, now you're going to wage a zero-sum game that is either you win or I win type of situation. In a time like this, this could lead, as Marx said, to the destruction of society. He said, the destruction of the ruin of
8: all classes. This should be an Emily's essay, I think, what you just said. Yeah. Okay. But you know what I mean? Because actually, you just made a point where you said, let's say you were like, I am worried about things. You would still have to deal with the Trump people. It, it's a social fact, period. Yes. Associ- that's right. You know what I mean? Like, what else are you going to do? Re educate them? And by <laughs> no, the way, they're doing this with January 6th people. Mm. You know, they're putting them, this- anyways. But,
9: <laughs> yeah.
8: like, yeah, like they. Oh, one thing I wanted to add because I. No, lem-
0: I would just tease that out a little bit more, Danny. This is the ruin of all classes. Oh, it's from the
8: manifesto, right? Oh, like, oh that's, that's the, the manifesto. 18th Premier is great mm-hmm. as well. But um, the, the reason I wanted to. Okay, so I'll say something quickly, which is just that, obviously, you have to lead these people, and the ruling class is actually abdicating even leading them, in that sense, meaning if there's, what was it, 57 million, I forget the number you just said. Yeah, I, I, we don't know. It's I, a significant thing, yeah, you actually have to. Well,
0: we know 74 million people voted.
8: For yeah, so, you know, so yeah. you know, you can't ignore that, that's, 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 <laughs> it's plainly true. Um, I guess That's what I wanted to, to say also about Lenin is that Lenin becomes a revolutionary because of an existential crisis. Mm-hmm. He reads Ward 6, you know, just relating it back to the Jimmy Baldwin quote, where one dies because they learn the truth of something. They're kind of institutionalized. And he was like, I don't want that to happen mm-hmm. to me. In other words, I like don't want to be put into Ward 6. In that sense, that. but Lenin, Lenin goes through a very existential yeah. moment early in his life right before he gets into that. So I just wanted to relate it to how that's driving him actually of the, that he wants, he's asking, what's the point of my life? Very young, you know, cause he has a brother who just dies mm-hmm. famously and he's kind of cast out of society and he's living with his sister and he can't get a job. And he's like, what's, what's the point of my life? Oh my god. Yeah, so like this this is a universal thing that yeah. relates to okay. people. Yeah. I don't have more to <laughs> say. <laughs> it's just it's like I just,
0: I, yeah. you know that that uh, story you just told mm-hmm. about Lennon having a breakdown. Yeah. I didn't know about that. Ward six, the
8: Chekhov Novella was a big thing for him. Yeah.
7: Oh I didn't yeah.
0: Yeah. Can, can I just, I mean, that's a very important point that you make. Mm-hmm. And this is one that I know Serafina brings up all the time, you know, uh, the existential crisis of the youth. And for us of children, you know, and the drug addiction and the mm-hmm. mental illness and the suicides mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one cannot you know, frankly, I put all of this at the feet of the ruling class. Mm-hmm. It's just, and and uh, you're right, I agree with that. Uh, you're gonna to continue to call all of these people white supremacist?
7: Mm-hmm.
0: These are people that can barely put, uh, put food in, on their tables yeah. for their families. Mm-hmm. What can they do? Mm-hmm. Who have they advocated killing? Yeah. I don't know any of the, uh, this is so important about all of the research you do, Emily. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, to dehumanize Mm -hmm. a major, probably the majority of the American Mm -hmm. working class, to de-fucking-humanize them.
5: Yeah.
0: I mean, what is that going to lead to? I mean, even if you wanted to preserve bourgeois society, Mm -hmm. you know, bourgeois liberties, just, Bourgeois society, even if that's what the fuck you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You don't go about it this
8: way. No, they don't want to preserve it.
0: Go, tell me what you're saying.
8: Because I mean, I'm just thinking of all of the police stuff and the NSA stuff on mm-hmm. the security state. They don't want liberties, they think it's they think people can't handle them, and so they have to stop them. Yeah. That's the whole point of the, the fascism thing. It's like oh, well, if free speech, well, what if the next person's a Hitler? And then that's enough. And then they come on. I, I got, okay, this is a little strange. I got a January 6th book, like oh, this book that went into like what's happened to all these people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them just locked up without the, t- you know, without mm-hmm. trial. And their lawyers are like, who are, who they can't afford. So it's, I forget the term for Pro when. Bono. Mm-hmm. Pro bono from like um, public public defendants. And their public defendants are like, trying to re-educate their clients.
3: That's wild.
8: Like it's really crazy. and they're kind of forcing people to be like, oh I guess I know now and it, it's all these things. I and mean, the whole thing has been anyways. It's, it's that's it's, another thing of like the ruling classes like they don't and, care and about just
0: all of these all show trials. Now. Yeah. The January 6th uh, committee is a show trial. Mm-hmm. And then these trials of these people of the proud boys he'd get in 20 years, another one. Mm-hmm. These are show trials, yes. man. And uh, this this
1: is. Um...
8: Of military oh, veterans. I'm, I'm sorry. A lot of them are military veterans who yes. came back and are very displeased with the war, you know, yes. obviously, because they. Like, there's always a. How do, how do I say this? What is the ruling class able to play on? They're able to play on the fact that people want to defend their families. That's what patriotism plays on. Right? in other words yes i want to defend my families i want i don't want to be attacked and they're able to mislead people into wars that have just led to that's didn't do anything even according to the military objectives right like in other words what the heck was the outcome and then these people come back and they go what the heck was that and our country's been taken over and our government has broken mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the contract with us and i'm not trying to say the oath keepers of three percenters or some like revolutionary socialist thing i'm just trying to say where what is the anger coming from
0: That's right
8: right? that they feel they've been lied to and that the government has broken it. that's why it's oath keeper it's broken the contracts it, it's the relationships of the social contract. Mm-hmm. Nice.
0: and that's the existential question too yeah you know People feel betrayed. And you could see it, you could see it on January 6th. This kind of anger and 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 of an unarmed mass of people. It's they didn't go for an insurrection, they were protesting the sense of absolute betrayal. And polling data shows that their view is not uh, singular to them. This is across the board. I mean, and it's according to what poll you get, the number you'll come up with, but I would say numbers like 60% say the government doesn't represent them and is corrupt. 25% say that they would... uh, uh, support using violence against the government. Oh, all of that is Trump. That's what he. No, no, no. And this is why this question of the destruction of all classes, the ruin of all classes, and in some ways you pick it up in the, in Black Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. You know the ruin of the planner class mm-hmm. they're being wiped out of history mm-hmm. yada 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 mm-hmm. but then what does the new look like right mm-hmm. what does the new, and that's what du bois is it's almost counterfactual arguing this is the way it went but this is the way it could have gone right. mm-hmm. this was the potential of it
7: mm-hmm.
0: you know and and the thing that's so beautiful about Black Reconstruction, revolutionary optimism.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: A young person like y'all can read Black Reconstruction and think, oh, yes, it is still possible to fight.
7: Mm-hmm. You
0: know what I'm saying? Read Gerald Horn, man, shit, let me go commit, let me go, go up Kensington, get some fentanyl, you know, and get me a, a fifth of vodka and chill, you know? <laughs> Because I can't win, there is no way out. And I, yeah, but I, let me shut my damn mouth. Go ahead, uh, uh, Derek. Let to say something. my thought. And anyway, I was thinking about
6: Lenin and how important Lenin was, from my little small view. You know, at some moment in time, because mm-hmm. it wasn't like I went to some library to get linen. Yep. Not even that I would have thought I would have even quoted him. Mm-hmm. And and in some instance that had happened to me. But you know, when you on your when you're your most youthful party and you you on your I was in my effort still. You know, I might look like I was doing shit effortless, but you know, when you when we had that exposure, and then when the people that's oppressing us and they are suppressing Lenin out of our entire environment. Right. And you, and I, I just wrote this down for a minute. And, and, and then on top of that, in and, and um world of, of things and, and his whole classical life mm-hmm. to suppress his life, not because what he wore, but what, what he was addressing with, and he wasn't dressed like he was talking to us. He was, you know, it was like, he undressed it, but it's like he was given a, a different theme in the world but it had came from all shattering shattering views that had happened, not just in the Civil War, but all of his previous knowledges of certain areas that nobody was even looking at it. You know, how how far he went back in time to do it, you got to go ask some Indian people that he studied with, you know, from being in school for all his life. But the the thing that that I'm saying is that for, for us in this room right here, and to um, to um, Lenin is the principal motor sometimes, and the motor habits, and 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 yeah, Marx. I had books of Marx, but it wasn't the same thing as an experience.
0: It's so interesting. And,
6: and, and I, I call
0: so interesting what you said. And I call this kind. I just underline what you're saying. And that it's so you know, existentially, yeah. there is a difference, a different encounter yeah. between Lenin and Marx. Yeah the reader, yeah. the thinker will encounter them very differently. I know I do. I'm only feeling
6: the enthusiasm because I share some things with Tony, because I'm not his age, but we walk together. I'm not you speaking know, about you like man. that. I'm not speaking about you like that. It's just some things that you share. It's some things you share with some things you share with the generation that you can't get outside. Where are you going to get it from?
5: <laughs>
6: you know, you can't get no announcement. Good, good I'm sorry. You can't yeah. get no <laughs> announcement. But in physics, for me, I had to use this word for um, for learning and the boys. I just use, it's like a crack in space, but you got to think about, you have to think in a physics way in, your, in, in the world of things, how many different things space expresses before you have the preconceived notion about it. Because, because for us to have this space in this room, this is different from this. Is like we, we took a, a, a course on aeronautics or something. Because people don't understand DeBoas like 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 on just one flat plane. He's he's coming from all of the um, like with with, with She's giving me the evidence for um, for um, Baldwin, but she's lived she's lived in this movement. She's lived her life in this movement. It's not a lot of people can even say that at all. And and the other and the remarkable thing is that I'm only meeting her because the the, um, the part of my life when out in my youthful effort I would never know I was gonna be here all this seventy years for me. I don't, I don't I don't call myself a sleeping giant, but but the thing about the thing about Du and Lennon is to bring these unusual dynamics. And I don't want to make a good no go ahead, go ahead keep that bring, bring these unusual, this unusual dynamics. dynamics together because. You know, how do we visualize how do
0: we visualize this this kind of knowledge on the public? These unusual dynamics.
3: Yeah, us. I like that too.
0: Think of that formulation. It might help. Um, what I'm mean? sorry. What do we what do? The boss was concerned about public
6: schools because that was always something inherent in our environment from other periods during the Civil War that the school was playing a prominent place. It was a, it was a university school. It wasn't like regular, however they chopped it down and subdivisioned it. You know, it was on a, it was on a, it was on a world level of, of learning. I, I, I don't want to overstate it. I, I, I've been to the University of Zurich, and I walked in, I was like a student, but I don't even know what was I supposed to deserve everything while I was there, Switzerland. <laughs> but, but, but I'm bringing it back to the table that people can walk through life and they pick up the things that they need from the presence of things mm-hmm. like these, ever-present IDs, ever-present art, Ever mood, present. ever-present music—you know, <laughs> everything is ever-present. But if it wasn't those students in this room and he's right here, I wouldn't be here. The ever-present. Yeah, yeah, because, <laughs> here, because <laughs> it's, a, um, it's an amazing, it's an amazing body that's sit with all of us like this because it's not. This is something that my brother took me to through in Germany, so he was introducing me to. He spoke German, but I was around German speaking students who wanted to learn English VIA from me for, for the time period that I was there. Because mm-hmm. I'm not doing the same thing my brother doing, but my brother still treated me like we person. He ain't thinking up, this with Jew won't block yeah, yeah. You know, other words, this is a valuable relationship mm-hmm. of communication. And I think the Boas in this wonderful film that I need to get like like Baldwin. For me, they we get that feeling from them. It's not a dry reading or a dry remark. And people probably don't We really want to think about linen when we talk about linen. They probably think we talk about, some, about something else. Knowing, so how, knowing <laughs> how important linen, what you call it, dialectic, Dialectics. Uh, without us using that word, how important that is. And then with Serafina, wonderful other things she did, she's probably one of the first students, all the Islamic students I know. That, that mentioned Elijah Muhammad, but to bring a fuller focus through what we entirely are viewing. We ain't got no little TV view, we entirely are viewing something, but not to leave something that might be left out in isolation. Yeah. And it matters. But
0: see, I, can I just underline something? And you, I agree with you completely, you. and I'm glad you articulated it. We're constantly expanding our vision.
5: Yeah.
0: You know, and you're right. Mm-hmm. Like you said about Seraphina she came here when she was she seventeen, was so you know, and you know, with a copy of *The World in Africa*. Did you know when you came here? And you know, starting here and just now, the whole world is is possible. But I agree. When you read Du Bois or Lenin, you're encountering great thought, great ideas, and you're right, I agree with you completely. It is something that is alive and infuses life into you. Wow, yes. I agree with that, And, and this is a case, I don't know, we don't have to make it in this essay, but at some point the case has to be made to the American people, to the young people in particular, that you cannot live, that life is predicated
5: yes.
0: upon ideas, mm-hmm. the spirit mm-hmm. of truth. You know what I'm saying? This rank materialism and, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think sometimes about all of these videos, I, I used to say uh, life imitating art, mm-hmm. but then I had to change that mm-hmm. to life imitating art entertainment oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. but you know um i agree with you that what what do we do what more can we do mm-hmm. you know but be the standard bearers mm-hmm. of something way greater far larger
5: mm-hmm.
0: than us mm-hmm. and What is that, if not the ideas, Mm -hmm. the values? Mm -hmm. You you dig what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, uh, something like the free school, it is, I mean, if we go to a church, a mosque, a Buddhist temple, wherever we go, or a union hall, if Mm -hmm. we're allowed in there anymore, (laughs) wherever, we don't feel alien, and we don't feel like strangers. Mm -hmm. We feel that, we operate in a in a world house yeah. and we do see humanity as a world house and therefore i don't feel maybe i don't ever feel strange or alienated when i'm around ordinary people wherever they are you know, but, but go ahead samir i mean
11: uh, i mean you think you followed a different thread but <laughs> i felt strongly moved by what Danny said about the January 6th Uh, you know, people arrested in that. And uh, one public defender told, argued with the judge and it made headlines. He said they were all retarded. And uh, I think that perhaps, you know, the headline made a mockery of the defendants. Mm -hmm. But I think that the the public defender was saying, hey, has anyone noticed that this large section of people arrested were you know, mentally handicapped or easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm not sure why I was so strongly moved to mm-hmm. to to bring that up or to speak that, but um it goes a lot to what we were talking a lot about the way people's attitudes, the left's attitudes towards uh the working people who are in such discontent. Um, And then it it also goes, you know, towards, uh, you know, it also makes me think a lot about the iron triangle, or basically, Mm -hmm. I think one time you'd use this uh, phrase with me: the means of production when it comes to media or news. Yeah, the the means of the means of knowledge production. Right, Mm right.
0: That's the more accurate one. Mm -hmm. That's the better way. Which is a huge, huge part
11: of the means of production in advanced capitalist countries yeah yeah and you know i think that's what we're all thinking about after the midterm and you know moving forward is how do we have ideas powerful enough to overturn absolutely that hegemony absolutely That's, that's sort of what i think about with the january 6th uh the whole the whole mockery, the whole show trial, the whole mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. circus mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is, ha- is how that controls the whole narr- narrative or is part of the control. But I don't know, it's just thinking other people's thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: can I just say something? And then, you know, the constant propaganda that these are criminals, that these are Nazis, <laughs> that these are da 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 which then you know means that they have no rights. Not even to a fair trial. They have no rights. And that because they are all these bad things, the rest of us shouldn't give a damn about the fact that they have no rights. Right.
11: This
0: is this is I mean can I
11: just add? That reminds me of uh, the discourse around Guantanamo Bay when mm-hmm, Guantanamo mm-hmm. Bay first opened because people were saying, oh, this is the death of democracy. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't take away habeas corpus from people. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's funny But because, in Guantanamo Bay, you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. Because that's not the United States. But now that that war so, has come home. Yeah, now it's come home. Yeah. And mm-hmm. people were saying that, but those people in the beginning were anti George Bush people. They were, uh, you know, Democrats who uh, believed you know, that George Bush had manipulated the situation around 9/11 to take away mm-hmm. civil liberties, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's almost—it's not been 20 years in that entire narrative that's flipped.
6: Yeah. Um, work right, and how the people—I'm not dramatizing the story—why the people came to Washington, right? But not looking through Clausewitz like the way we looked at it and the, per- the people are involved in Clausewitz as, as his, uh, some of his ideas they not they don't have no weapons in anything, anything like that yet mm-hmm. it's the idea all his dynamics that he used <coughs> because he ain't he ain't some tubes or some of the other philosopher warriors mm-hmm. he's, he's the theoretical yeah. He's a theoretical I think
0: that's very, like
6: doctorate. I
0: think that's very movement. important that you bring up <laughs> yeah. Clausewitz yeah. because, as you say, he was a historian and a theorist. Yeah, so he's looking at the... And he looked... And this is very... You know, it's so interesting yeah. that he looked at war, not as war, but as politics. Yeah. This is... So, if I might just come back to this... You know, and, and so then we have to get to the generic question: What is politics? Yeah. Right, right. Is it these people right. running around with all this money, talking about you know, set I'll, you know, vote for me and I'll set you free, or I'll do this? No, that's not politics. And classically defined, I'm using your language, classically defined, mm-hmm. essentially by Aristotle, Confucius, yeah, yeah. and others yeah. had to do with ideas yeah. and ethics.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That is politics, yeah. not not this running around talking trash. And yeah. so, I'm just saying, Clausewitz. Yeah. The greatness of Clausewitz. Is that he understood what war was,
6: mm-hmm.
0: just like Lenin understood what philosophy was. Yeah. And it, well, let me shut. Up again. Sure. But, and then uh, Derek, and then Danny. So, so,
6: so the masses, the masses is not really following like one level of thinking in America. It's something that the American experiment with union could could the, the state of the union.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: It's the state of the mind of the people that you're looking mm-hmm. upon but you don't know what state they, they're going to be in <laughs> but they they had not declared war but the, but 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 they had not really thought about how cosmos has affected
0: our environment and in the, in, the, in, the, in the sciences yes in in, in our school yes and that's so important if I could just underline yeah. you again yeah. great ideas change the ideological relationships between human beings. That is back to Danny's question, Mm -hmm. which is a big question. How can you call the civil rights movement a revolution? All they, quote, all they wanted was civil rights. You see what I'm saying? And they got it. That kind of trivialization, that is not all they wanted. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, that was not the main thing they wanted.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: See, that's the bullshit.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, they wanted civil. And you get even some scholars that will argue, well, they really didn't need a civil rights movement to get the right to vote. That was going to come anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was just a lot of you know uh, mm-hmm. strum and drum about nothing. See that's the bullshit. I, I'm not, I'm <laughs> sure. yeah, but my point yeah. is, and you you hit it, Derek. I agree with. You. What do the people want, and what must they do to achieve it? Mm-hmm. What do the people? That's politics. Yeah. yeah. So you know yeah. you can win an election and lose the people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can win the people and lose an election. So elections do not constitute politics. Politics is to win the people. And the question is, what do the people want? And what must they do to achieve it? Jimmy Baldwin, achieving our nation. Mm. Oh, so, let me, let me down I, I, I just wanted to say one
8: sentence, which is that people forget that Martin Luther King was like a political thinker, Yeah. right? Like in other words, yes. the exact yes. way in which he gets appropriated is he gets appropriated mm. as like a beautiful soul, on, and do. you can talk about him on <laughs> his birthday, but mm. they actually leave out the whole politics stuff. They kind of, you know what I mean? They don't they,
0: don't they have to? Well, yeah, yeah because... because isn't this isn't this the ideological struggle? Yeah. They call it competing narratives. Oh, sure. Well, that's yeah, that's nice for the academic seminar. Right. But what we're talking about are competing ideologies.
7: Whoa.
0: Or the generic definition of ideology is really world view. Yeah. yeah. Well, competing world views. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not hating. I'm not hating the ruling class. You know. But you got a different worldview. Now let's debate it. Mm-hmm. But you can't, because you cannot win. Nope.
8: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: This is the thing. I th- yeah, yeah. But go go ahead, Dan. You will go sad. I was just gonna say,
8: like he had a strategy. There was a, a whole thing, like all of this, and it's just kind of turned into he's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then because it has to be all of that for a number of reasons and a number of but one of which is to cover up his assassination. Yeah. Oh, he was a nice man and the whole ruling class appreciates him. And oh, oh, oh mm. So we don't discuss and who <laughs> killed Martin Luther King yeah. Jr. and why? Mm. And the question behind that is who had a motive? Mm. Who had a, mo- same thing with Kennedy, who had a motive yeah. to yeah. kill him? Yeah. You understand? He yeah. wasn't. These were public assassinations. Yeah. It wasn't like the woman on in Harlem when he was up there; she came up and stabbed him. Yeah. That's one thing. Then you you know you could say, well, maybe she was hooked up with the FBI <laughs> or something like that. But no, as it turned out, maybe true. But in on April fourth, nineteen sixty eight, when he comes out on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel and is shot yeah. through the throat. See,
5: That's hey, look
0: at here. I know Derek handles pistols. I think you do. but <laughs> Oh, wow. But he <laughs> it's few people that can get a take on you mm-hmm. from that distance and obviously yeah. what they try to say. He was on the ground mm-hmm. shooting up. Yeah. No, no, no. Everybody can that's a marksman, that's a highly trained killer. Mm -hmm. But that we can't discuss because Mm -hmm. to understand why he was assassinated publicly, publicly, why is to say why he is significant Mm -hmm. and why we must, Metaphorically raise him from the grave. I.e., see, that's what they, you know, the allegory of Jesus rising on the third day. It's allegorical. It's allegory. But why? Because it is saying, in effect, that the enemies of the truth cannot kill the truth by assassinating the bearer of it, that will rise again. And it will keep rising. John Brown's body. Yeah. Yeah. You understand it yeah. keeps rising. Yeah. This and and frankly, going forward, this is a huge task of us. I and I agree, Derek, the way you describe, it's not uh, it's not the size. Someone says the motion of the ocean, that's James but I'm, I not <laughs> go there. <to it. laughs>
3: Please
7: just get to your point, please. No. (laughs) 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 Don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) No,
5: it's
8: not. You're talking about politics. Politics. Yeah, right, right. right. It's (laughs) it's, it's the quality of the idea. not the
7: quantity.
8: not the the the
0: quantity. Well, it is it, the quantity, but I the most significant is the quality. Yeah, and I think I
3: understand.
0: you know, I think this thing of Martin Luther King, King, King Jr. Mm-hmm. Did you use the word "father of a new nation"? No, that should be in your piece too. For no. um, so the
6: Indians, we will say,
0: if the not, Muhammad. if not, him. Yeah, yeah. if not him. Again, and and Emily, we're gonna work more not not for the Raju uh, Nandatha journal right yes. now. We're gonna work on this because this is this is very important because um, I don't see how you can talk about Du Bois and Black Reconstruction without talking about Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
7: Yeah.
0: Not because there's you, know, you know there's an obvious direct connection, but. That'd be good for the mission statement. What Du Bois, I mean, what Martin Luther King brilliantly, mm-hmm. brilliantly
7: mm-hmm.
0: did was to help the American people achieve their
5: nation. Mm,
0: yeah. And, you know, you know I, I grew up in that time and I'll tell you the damn truth. I thought the I thought King you no know, this ain't real can't nobody be that perfect this is fake let me go another way okay I'm 19 years old I don't know shit from Shinola you know <laughs> that's why you can't take no 18 year old and put them on no pedestal mm-hmm. you know yeah. really you can't I mean that's unfair to them and I'm not saying they would oppose it because you know you're 18 I know the males they everything and I know it all shit. But no, you don't. Mm. I didn't think the man was I didn't think it was real. Mm. I didn't think it was I didn't think it was possible for anyone to be, I won't say perfect, but that
8: accomplished. Mm. I didn't think it. When did it change for you then? Sorry if that's too autobiographical. No, 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 no,
0: no, no. <laughs> it you know what changed when I joined the Communist party. Winston and them, not just Winnie, but Jim, Jim Jackson, Esther Jackson, William L. Patterson. First of all, you know, the thing that impressed me about them was modesty and just like everybody else type of thing, you know? Like they weren't my OGs, they were like my parents,
7: mm-hmm.
0: you know? I I had trouble understanding how some of the young people in the Young Communist League or in the party had the audacity to even question anything they said. You know, I I who were you to question them? you know? Yeah. And a lot, you know, and, and uh, some people are just raised that way. I don't know what that is. Be
5: <laughs> really?
0: disrespectful people, but that, and wow. then, you could see, this is why Winston is the key figure in the Communist Party. More than anybody else. I mean, not more than anybody yeah. else. Winston had it. He did. And it was him, it was, you know, really I would say the black communists. If you would to ask, they had more than Aptheker. Aptheker. Mm-hmm. you know, Du Bois left his body of work under the uh, under uh, uh, and the party, and and I give Herb Aptheker all due respect. He did his job mm-hmm. and prepared all of that body of work to be ultimately put in. The library at the University of Massachusetts, which is named after W.E.B. Du Bois, a great tribute, of course. But Du Bois left his Over in the care of the Communist Party. Mm-hmm. As you know, he had moved to Ghana, mm-hmm. spent his last years, a year and a half, whatever, there. You know? And so how to gather all this work together. Even the last autobiography is done after he dies Mm -hmm. and it is Mm Apthecker that is the principal editor of those papers that are the uh, autobiography of W.E.B. Du Bois as it's called. So Du Bois, yeah, this is this is why the Lenin Du Bois, that ain't, you, know, you ain't dealing with people in two different world views. You're dealing with people who are literally communists with a small C. You understand what I'm saying? The same objectives, the same, almost the same language, but the same dialectic. Du Bois, I don't think Lenin knew Du Bois. I don't think Lenin... But Du Bois knew Lennon and highly fucking respected him. That's true. I mean, what is that tough? You know, so so that that's see, and that when you know, when you when you're putting something together and it's a piece that you ain't got, yeah. and if you don't get that piece, the don't thing work. don't get, to, yeah. you know, the puzzle, puzzle don't get solved. Yeah.
7: Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's what's the missing thing of all of the young Marxists. They don't know Du Bois, you know. And Du Bois, and I, I say to all of the young, just like in the free school, like the, the Bandung reading group, reading Black, just reading and reading over and over, you know. I mean, it's just like a, a how, how would I call it, you know, like a monastic thing, a monastery. It is. It is. It is. It, it is. is. It is, it is the it. Way. But it <laughs> takes that. It takes that, the way you, and just like, you know, Nuri, (laughs) Nuri's in South Korea right now, miss her badly, but you know, (laughs) my girl. But uh, she and I, and I have to say mainly her these days, are reading Eric Foner's Reconstruction. Wow. Now, Now, you wanna be bored? Out of your fucking mind. <laughs> your <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs>
0: I mean if you want to be bored, and I'm using this only in the, as I say, colloquially <laughs> when I curse, I'm not cursing, I'm okay. using it. colloquial language. Okay. <laughs> All right.
6: yeah. I'm using like uh, a version <laughs> of the <happening>.
0: <laughs> 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 if you don't get that piece you can't see the rest of it. Yeah. Do we have any more comments, maybe He in Germany. and the area well, we got hold on, hold on one minute there. Let's see if we got some
3: comments. Yeah. I think
9: like um there was a continuing thread on Jeremiah's question in regards to the uh relationship to the state so Nathan responds I've been thinking about this question of the state with the release of the Twitter files and how overt the reality of the deep state is to the American people now how adverse how overt okay. the okay. reality of the deep state yeah. is to the American people now yeah. looking at how these intelligence agencies electoral processes the division of the nation into state governments, of different corporate interests, all strengthen in the state against the organization of people. I wonder how that fits into how the civil rights movement and King used the state to enact the will of the people. Mm-hmm.
0: To do what? Use the state to do. To what? enact
9: the will of the people. To enact. Enact. E N A C T. E-N-A-C-T. enact. To carry out.
0: Oh, to carry out. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't quite understand. It. How can you use the state to enact?
9: Enact the will of the people. I think he's specifically referring to legislation such as the state. Okay, okay, rights okay, act. okay,
0: okay. This is a very important question. But uh, is it another commentary? I um,
9: it's the same, it's the continuing thread. So Jeremiah follows up on Nathan's comment and said, I was wondering something similar. Emily's essay made the point that the American people have become ungovernable. From a standard leftist or anarchist perspective, one would say the logical conclusion from this is that the people must become, uh, parentheses, in a vague sense, quote unquote, more ungovernable, that is, more anarchistic, etc. But I think what we are arguing is that the logical move for the people is to further strive for a qualitative change, a new unity in the spirit of the civil rights movement, negating the terms by which the ruling class tell the people to see and relate to one another. Um, and then Nathan uh, finishes the thread with uh, adding, and with Reconstruction, how we saw the organization of the black worker changing the form of the state from the bottom up. This is very important. So that's one thread. I don't know if <clears throat> we want to respond to that before I move to the other so,
0: comments.
9: That's one thread on that Jeremiah yeah. started on the role of the state. Yeah. Uh, but there are other questions, but I was wondering if we want to. so no, let's
0: uh, oh, let's let's go with the, let's go with that first, because the question that Nathan raised and and this this is, you know, people will ask, and this was presented back in the days when King was alive, uh, how could he be a revolutionary?
5: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's not calling for the armed seizure of the state. Now, albeit in that time, Maoism had a huge influence in the United States. Mm -hmm. Huge. Um, Mao, I think, then was more influential than Lenin or Marx back then. Uh, And we could, uh, Emily and I have been talking about this and I can't wait to discuss it with her mother and father. Uh, Mao's concept of world revolution and how the cultural revolution was in fact the beginning of a world uprising, or could be, you know, and how, well, but the answer to that, and I think it is what I think Jeremiah ended with, the bottom, I think Nathan, Mm -hmm. a movement from below in this dialectic, and we're talking about a long game, not a one-off thing. The question is the ruling class finding itself in a paradox in this war by other means or politics by other means, so to speak the Klaus thing. Mm-hmm. This is politics, the civil rights movement is politics by other means or by different means, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So in a political struggle, if you don't want to enter into a situation of the ruin of all classes, the alternative for a ruling class that can think rationally and it could think better back then than now. These motherfuckers now are so incompetent and dangerous. Back then, they could think better. So they said, give up something to hold on to everything. Is all you want the right to vote and legal rights? Yes. And King would answer, that's part of what we want, but now, to give substance to legal rights that have to be social and economic rights. And that's when the civil rights movement, and especially under Coretta Scott King and Ralph Abernathy and C.T. Vivian, and Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember every name, Diane Nash. That's why Diane and Jim Lawson are so to the left. Mm -hmm. They then understood that the struggle for civil rights mm-hmm. could not move forward without the fight against the military and the war war makers. Yeah, that's why they joined the World Peace Council. That's what Jahan is doing his Ph.D. research on. They join. I mean, the civil rights movement becomes integrated into the world peace and anti-imperialist movements. It was. It was a. a a stunning thing to see, but this was all already imminent, or eminent.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: The E, not the I. Eminent mm-hmm. in the ideology and thinking of the civil rights movement under King's leadership. War is the enemy of the poor. War is the enemy. How could I be true to what I believe? if I'm for nonviolence in the United States and not going to be against violence in Vietnam. You know, this kind of moral and ideological consistency. Mm -hmm. That's one thing about King. You listen to his speeches, and, and, you know, he's been trivialized. He's been attacked. Mm -hmm. He's been put down. He was always saying, and this is a bone thing. The striving for moral consistency. The striving that what I say out of my mouth Mm -hmm. I'm gonna stand for Mm -hmm. in my practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean there's never I mean I I can't think of anyone comparable who so who raised the bar through his own life. You know, yeah, I'm not just going to give eloquent speeches. I'm going to march, even if it means I lose my life to realize these principles. That is an example for the American people. This is what we produce. King is a product of the people. You understand what I'm saying? That's what we're talking about. So yeah, yeah, that that you know, it it's it's fierce. The guy, the guy is not to be true, and but he has been. Just like when people came out, oh Barack Obama is the new Martin Luther King. What <laughs> 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 and even cats that was in the civil rights movement, like John Lewis was talking at uh nickel and dying espionage, you know. But this I, I think the point that I wish to make this um integration synthesis, organic synthesis of Du Bois and King and Baldwin. Mm -hmm. It's such a rich um, framework, especially for young people. Mm -hmm. Especially for young people. Mm -hmm. You can can go to Africana Studies Mm -hmm. and Africology and Afro this and Afro the other and take all the courses you you, you can take and you will never hardly hear the name Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I think, I don't know who was telling me at Cornell they had a core, oh yeah, you was in the core assembly. You dropped out.
4: Yes, but you Jeremiah State.
0: Yeah, Jeremiah State. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And they go talk about (laughs) African-American studies, but they don't start with Du Bois, they start with Fanon. You can't do that. Fanon is not Du Bois. So Fanon is not Baldwin. Mm -hmm. Now maybe if you're Caribbean, you say, well, Dig, he's Caribbean, I'm Caribbean, he's yeah. you know Martinique, and I'm, you know, Trinidadian, you know, yada yada yada. So I got an identity relationship mm-hmm. with Fanon.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: But see, politics, when they say identity, politics, they need to put another word because politics don't fit identity. No,
5: it
0: doesn't. <laughs> see, that's something else going on. Just say I'm into identity. Identity, uh, what's another word you use? Identity perpetration. <laughs> but yeah, that's all. Well, go ahead, Sarah. That's the
3: other thing, like the purpose of the 10th anniversary, because we geared it so much for young people or for the youth, mm-hmm. um, for the future. That's what we're saying, that there is a future. There is a sky. And
0: children, too.
2: Right. Youth and children.
3: Youth and children. I just wanted to re-emphasize. Mm-hmm. I feel like your are writing in. and what we're also striving to do um,
6: with the preschool mm-hmm. I just want one, just one go ahead, go ahead. So I'm, I'm, you know, cause we we've, we've been talking about Clausewood cause Tony you, you reintroduced it, but Clausewood for me always was a part of the theme because we might be aggravated by how people are behaving. But, but Clausewitz is inside as a philosopher,
0: Yes.
6: and I'm gonna use Marcus Aurelius for a minute. The, 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 the people, it's a theme. It's a theme about military science. But Clausewitz is looking at the resistance of the people, mm-hmm. so he's not enabling. I would call a book the Art of War, but on his book, and, he's, and he and he he doesn't wildly put on war. You know, it's like on a social manner, or on this problem. So he doesn't address his art, his book what we might assume is the art of war, but he uses the title on war, and 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 what makes it what makes it address where I'm coming from is because he's looking at the people. He's not looking at the military leader that's studying other art of war books I have read. He's looking at the nature of the people and how they resist and and their and their actions and if they mobile, He uses a lot of he uses a lot of terminology that he is not geometric, but it's, it's not it's not um it's not Sun Tzu's language, but he's still looking at some quality of the people that they can outperform the best military sciences because the people, in an organic way, are learning a better way of life, even if it's in their own systematic terms. So he has a so Clausewitz book on war. Is not Jomini. Yeah.
0: Can I just let me just let me just say this. See, Clausewitz uh, says war is policy or politics by other means. But anti-war is politics by other means. And when a nation or regime cannot wage war, mm-hmm. that constitutes a political defeat. Hence. Mm-hmm what some people, and it's not the best, call a, quote, Mm left-right anti-war coalition. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Which we have, I mean, we can almost feel it. It's so concrete and palpable right now, but it is driven by the Mm anti-war sentiments, which are political sentiments, because the anti-war sentiment is connected to the anti-regime. Yes. And by the way, the anti-war sentiments are not just Republicans against a Democratic administration. Mm-hmm. It is anti-war Republicans in the vanguard yes. with anti-war Democrats yes. who are opposing Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. Because the Marjorie Taylor Greene's of the world are as opposed to Lindsey Graham as they are to Joe Biden. Yeah. But let me, let Danny, I
8: was on. just gonna say, when Klausowitz, who's like a follower of Hegel, when he says politics, mm-hmm. I mean, excuse me, war is politics by other means, yes. that's a modern insight into the problem that wasn't always the case. Meaning in, in ancient Greece or ancient Rome, mm-hmm. the people who voted on war were like the citizens and that wasn't the mass of people. Mm-hmm. So when he's saying it's politics by other means, He's actually saying this thing that used to be of the knights or whatever they used to be, like a, a specific cast, mm-hmm. actually it's a society-wide interest. Mm-hmm. And so actually even politics by other means is an anti-war thing because he's saying actually you have an interest in that, that it's connected with your society in a way that maybe in ancient Rome it would have been like, That's just a pillaging of the upper caste or something like that. But isn't
0: this the truth of everything? Yeah. That when we talk about politics, we're really not talking about Aristotle. Yes, yes, right. We're really talking about Machiavelli forward. We're really talking politics is a question of modernity. Yeah, yeah you
8: because know. Aristotle meant like, what do humans do? They asked the question, what does it mean to be human? Yeah. And that's the politics. We live in communities and we go, what's the point of our community? Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas today we say this question of we have history and we recognize that people change and linking it back to the beginning since we're towards the end now, the yeah. question of a revolution, it's not just, yeah, let's chop everybody's heads off. Like, I, don't know, I guess they did that in the 10th century, mm-hmm. but what's the point of this revolution? What are we striving for? Are we going forward? Are we going backward? Like mm-hmm. that kind of question. Mm-hmm. And that's a modern question as well. That's why is there a left and a right? Because the whole question of change and dynamics and where are we going and you know most of humanity used to not change for thousands and thousands of years you were just like your great 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 great, great grandfather right. but we change we change and so that's a question yeah. necessarily there yeah as a, my, as my, we become uh, hegel
0: that's what right, we become yeah and, and it seems like donnie McClark would said we fall down and we get that yeah. Up. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a gospel yeah song. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Machiavelli was a, a, a modern, the first great modern political scientist mm-hmm. who studied the political behavior, not the political or moral ethical values oh. of political actors.
3: Oh, shit.
0: So he studied power and how people gained it, how they lost it, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the rulers, the prince, as he called them in his yeah. book. Prince, but yeah, that's Machiavelli, the Italian. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, folks, um, Uh,
9: there's some comments.
0: Oh, some more comments. Many comments. Oh, let's get a comment. Daryl Wasteland Mitchell. Who
9: was that? Daryl Wasteland. He quotes two things that Facebook said. So he says, Great slogan, quote, that. He says, Great slogan, quote, War is the greatest threat to democracy, not Trump. End quote, posting immediately. He also uh, says, a fight or quote, a fight that each time ended either in a revolutionary revolutionary reconstitution of society at large or in the common ruin of the contending classes. That's right, mm-hmm. that's from the mm-hmm. Communist
0: Manifesto.
9: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um,
0: mm-hmm.
9: And then Jeremiah briefly responded, I took an Africana studies course at Cornell on the Black radical tradition, and we read everyone except. King Baldwin and Du Bois. Wow. We have a comment from Meghna. Um, she says, Jahan and I went to the archives to see the papers of Charlie Hayes a few days ago. The way he and others in the United Packing House Workers of America, UPWA, framed the struggle against racism, frame the struggle against racism resonates so much with everything we've been saying. We were looking at his copies of the District 1 UPWA newspaper and came across an article by Jack Jack Souther. Jack who? Souther, S-O-U-T-H-E-R, the secretary treasurer about the Freedom Fund, which mobilized UPWA workers to contribute to the Freedom Rise. He writes, quote, some white workers have asked me, what is my stake in the Freedom Fund? Let me put it simply, as one white worker to another, our stake in our jobs and the future of our country. Ask the worker in the runaway shop in the South who works at half the wages paid to northern worker. He is paying the price of discrimination, and it is a high one. Ask the white union organizer who tries to organize in the South and cannot talk to Negro in a restaurant or any other public place. And the congressmen who come from the South. Where there is so little freedom, who hatches the medical care bills, the Minimum Wage Act, and 101 measures that all of labor demand. What about him? Will freedom come to America fully until all in the South can vote? This is the bread and butter of freedom. We are for freedom because it is fair and just, not because it embarrasses us in our foreign policy. The lack of freedom embarrasses us the lack of freedom embarrasses us as human beings. End quote. Uh, this is Megan continuing. The formulation of the Black worker and shared exploitation is so different than PMC theories Danny alluded to, like, quote, unquote, white fragility and microaggress- uh, microaggressions. And Doc is absolutely right about the lack of Lenin in universities. The post-colonial school loves to speak about, quote, unquote, Eurocentric narratives of Marx. will not touch Lenin who said, quote, Asia forward, Europe backwards, end quote. Say that again, Asia. Um, Asia forward, Europe backwards. A-
0: Asia forward, Europe back. Uh.
9: People will not touch Lenin who said Asia forward, Europe, Europe backwards with a 10-foot th- pole. That's the end of our
8: Marx lived in Africa briefly. Okay. He lived in Algeria. Wow. No, yeah. I just wanted to add that. The famous last okay. picture of him is in Algeria. Oh, that's mm. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Not that that sells anything. I'm just <laughs> no, saying that. Yeah,
0: People bring yeah, in yeah, so yeah, yeah, like Yeah. I guess everybody, we've had uh, a wonderful New Year's Eve. We could not have spent it better. I felt <laughs> that I've already had a New Year's Eve party yeah. <laughs> and some of the discussion was, it was <laughs> so exciting. Uh, <laughs> so um, anyone have anything they would like to say in conclusion?
11: Oh, oh, go ahead, Samir. We should have had a sparkling cider. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to us? to bring a bottle of wine, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah.
6: Really but, I,
0: yeah, we should have had a bottle, a bottle of wine. Next year.
6: Next
7: year. I'll put it on the list. Yeah, yeah a New Year's resolution.
6: Okay, okay. Go ahead. So, oh, go <laughs> next year's Eve. When the
0: new year's over Except for Rena. Go ahead. No, I just
6: wanted
3: to say also that, like, from this discussion, I know that it's clear that it's, it what you just said, Red, is either we move forward or we move backwards. The ruling class wants us to go backwards, it wants the whole country to go backwards all the time. But the free school has been going forward and we're gonna continue doing that. So
0: That's right. Yeah you're absolutely right. Yeah. And uh the rule because we're dealing with a ruling class that has no answers. Okay,
5: yeah.
0: And that's, huh? <laughs> that's right,
3: that's, that's, right. right. that's right,
0: that's right, that's right, that's right. So, 2023 looks like a good year for us. We got a lot of work to do in the next three or four months, by the way. Oh, yeah, it'll be good, yeah, yeah it'll be good. I mean, all right, well, Happy thank you.